Halo, halo, Sacred Icon listeners. We used to do ads for other people, but I decided, why don't we do one for ourselves? Whether you're here listening to us for the first time or you've heard every episode, I'd like to briefly tell you what we're about and how you can support us. We have been doing this podcast since 2019, and with that has come lots of changes. We started as a primarily Halo-only show, but have evolved, combat evolved, over the years to talk about a wide variety of things in the realm of nerd culture. As you can imagine, we've made numerous changes to our platforms, usernames, and emails over the years, so now is the time for me to set things right and give the Covenant back their bomb. You can join our Discord by clicking the link included on our podcast feed. You can also send us an email or a voice message at sacrediconpodcast at gmail.com. We have a YouTube channel at youtube.com slash sacredicon, and we no longer use Twitter or X or whatever else the kids are calling it these days. So if you see someone who looks like us there, just know it's not us. Lastly, you can support us on patreon.com slash sacredicon and receive a bevy of bonus content. We're so glad you chose us to be the voice in your ear on this particular day and hope you enjoy the episode ahead. What's good, everybody? Welcome on back to another episode of the Sacred Icon Podcast. Are you keeping it secret? Are you keeping it safe? Well, by golly gosh, gee, if you're not, I hope you're keeping it sacred because we are here to have a very fun, special episode. Got a lot of people in our admin chat in the Discord with us today for a very special little play on the uh, Sacred Icon Top 5 Games of the Year. Right, Brian? You better take it away because I'm about to mess it up. No, it's okay. (laughs) No, uh, what we're doing, guys, is uh, we're doing our our Sacred Icon official game of the year, the top five games leading up to the game of the year. Um, We took pretty much all of the active users, like very consistent active users of the Discord and uh, had them all vote on their top five games of the year so we could uh, tally the points up together and see what Sacred Icon's uh, top five games of the year are. So there's roughly 30-some people who voted um, from the the Discord specifically. Um, If any of you aren't in the Discord, I mean, we have way more listeners than are in the Discord. So uh, if um, you want to be a part of this in the future, make sure you come join the Discord. But uh, basically the way it works is everybody gets to choose their top five games of 2023. They can choose any five they want. Um, their number one game will get five points, and then number two will get four, three, two, one. So if, you know, ten people voted for Hi-Fi Rush, uh, but it was their number five, it's only going to get ten points. Whereas if just Corey and Darren voted for Spider-Man 2, it would also get ten from just two people because it's worth five points uh, for first place. So it doesn't mean that... The, pers- uh, the game that got number one or any particular place was because it got voted for the most. It was just the most com- you know, ratioed to how well it was liked if it got voted the number one spot or whatnot. So uh, we're going to go through the list. I'm the only one here that, that has all the, the votes tallied up. Um, we're going to start at number five. And once I announce the game, uh, we'll go around and kind of talk about our opinions on it, what we thought about it. If you think it's uh, bullshit that it's on this list, if you think it's not high enough, if you thought it was perfect... Um, so I'll kind of just read it off, and then I'll say, hey, I'll, I'll call over to Josh or Prey or Wesley and say, hey, what did you think about this? So to start off, guys, uh, coming in at our number five for Game of the Years of 2023, we have Spider-Man 2 with 24 votes. Um, has anyone here but me played Spider-Man 2? Speak up. I don't yep. know. Did, Josh, you played it, right? You didn't beat it, obviously, but you played it. Correct. What did you think of Spider-Man 2, Josh? For, I mean, first of all, do you think it belongs on this list? Do you like its spot? And what do you think of the game? 
Yeah, I can understand it. I thought it was a fun game. What little I played of it. <laughs> really played it, but, uh, but it was fun. It felt like more of the same, but a step up, you know? And, uh, I mean, I look forward to playing it when the time does come. Uh, I'm excited for the momentum Insomniac has right now with these Marvel games, despite that awful leak for Wolverine. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, I, I know a lot of people wanted that as Game of the Year. I think it didn't win any at the Game Awards with Reptilian Jeff Keighley, right? So, um, I'm sure... Some people listening probably have a little solace knowing it makes it on our list, even though, you know, we're clearly the more pristine award show right. compared to the high Game quality. Award, so yeah, there you go. But, I mean, yeah, it's that's, a, that's about it. I think it's pretty reflective of like what Insomniac's games typically do. They're highly polished. They're really good. They get up for a bunch of nominees, but they never seem to win. And even here on our list, right, it's it's number five. Like it's mentioned once again, but it is not uh, the winner of anything. And that just seems to be kind of how it went for the last couple Spider-Mans as well. Um, I did play Spider-Man 2 all the way through. I loved it. It's a relatively short game, about 10 hours to beat if you mainline it, and 25 if you 100% platinum it. Um, it improves on all the mechanics of the first game. Uh, it's got a really good narrative, good voice acting. It's high production. I mean, I think it's a, a 9 out of 10 game. Um, I did like the first game's story better. I think the second game um, maybe featured a little more spectacle than... Um, I don't know, emotional or, or character building, or it just it just wasn't quite as solid as the first game story, but it was still so good that I feel like if somebody said this was the better story, I, I would I would totally get it. But it was a great time, um, not my favorite game of the year, but I loved it. Totally worth the praise, um, guys. I'll open it up to everyone else. Uh, I know yeah, we should mention off who yeah. we got in here today. Oh, okay, well, to. yeah, I guess I should have introduced us to begin with. You know, this is kind of by the seat of our pants. This is an episode we don't normally do, guys. We have. Uh, our buddy Corey Hanks, who usually goes by Blaster, we have um, Darren, uh, we have uh, fucking Ouija, we got Preyanchu, we got Diente, Colin, and we have Wesley, and then me and Josh. So uh, you guys can all say hey at the same time if you want. Hey. Hello. Hey. Yeah, um, who wants to uh, talk about Spider-Man 2? Is anyone interested? I mean, you don't have to have played it, obviously, that's why me and Josh went first, because we did. Um, who wants to talk about it? I'll have some questions real, about real it. quick there. We got Corey and go ahead, uh, Wesley. Yeah, go ahead, Wes. Wes, you start. Uh, yeah, real quick. I'm. I. I mean, I just got a PlayStation Five this year, uh, so I haven't played it yet. But, um, and I'm not a big Spider-Man guy in general. Um, but what I am interested in is the quality that Insomniac usually brings to their games. That really intrigues me because I know it's a, a really like tight experience. Yeah, I mean, and, and the thing is, they bring their games out, like, once every year or two, like these high-quality AAA games that people love, and it only takes them a year or two to get one out, which is kind of insane, which is makes it even sadder about their leak. But uh, over to you, Corey. Yeah, so having not played the game, I don't have a PS5 yet, and I'm kind of just observing from afar. I'm curious because it's, like, the reception for this game has been uh, really, really resoundingly positive, and I'm curious... What is better about it than the previous Spider-Man games and uh, Miles Morales? You know, what sets it apart, mm -hmm. if anything? Or is it just another one of those and really well-made and looks better? I mean, yeah, my personal opinion is that it is just more of the same with upgrades. You know, better combat, better movability, you know, just, I, uh, yeah. Not just a reskin, though. No, I, it doesn't seem like just a reskin. I just I think it feels more like you played God of War and, and Ragnarok, right? Mm -hmm. It feels kind of like that upgrade. Okay, fair. So yeah, I'd say it's pretty much like that. But um, 
yeah, do you guys have anything more you want to say about Spider-Man 2, or do you want to move forward? I speak up if anyone's um, interested. Yeah, I, I guess most of my interaction with this game, like I said, I'm, I'm like everyone else. I just don't have a PS5. Um, I, my PS4 is right next to me, and I did enjoy the first Spider-Man game quite a lot. Um, I remember taking over 40 to 45 hours to beat the game. So, And I get that you know, AAA development seems to only get harder so games keep getting shorter and everyone only cares about a lot of people seem to care about time but it, it's a, a tad disappointing to hear that it's only like a 10 to 20 hour story with two characters and i think they revamped mary jane as well in this game a little yeah bit. so um it's not like something that i won't go and buy i just I don't. I barely use my PS4. My PS4 is literally my God of War machine because that's the only game I like on it hmm. now. Um, so I, I have no reason to get it. But um, yeah, most of the story seems to have been spoiled on me through TikTok, and everyone seems <laughs> to really um, enjoy the traversal a lot. So yeah, that seemed to be the the biggest upgrade. So it is. I see. I see why it's on the list. Like Spider Man's a really big property. It's a. Um, something that even in our discord there's lots of people who are very very passionate about spider-man across the board so seeing Shout it, out the like, tricky <laughs> absolutely uh so like seeing that passion go into the game and, and everyone feel how good it is i see it on the list but I, I there was also a lot of hubbub during the um game awards uh while everyone was looking at all, at all our reptile friends that mm -hmm. um everyone was like why isn't spider-man winning and why isn't spider -Man? and it's just like it's there but based off of everything everyone said here it's not good enough in my opinion to to get the votes that it needs it's not like mm -hmm. revolutionary i think like last year with ragnarok and elden ring that was closer because i thought ragnarok was actually like a fair step up a decent amount more story as well mm -hmm. like um it did de it definitely like because that's what i expect with sequels is that the, that the scale Im improves and if the scale isn't improving to me, then I'm like a little bit more let down. Obviously, like I said, the story they want to tell is the story they want to tell, though. So I'm happy it's on the list. Yeah, totally. I got I got to chime in real quick. Go ahead. Pray, you said like they they tweaked Mary Jane a bit. Like how? Tell me more. I just remember based on I was seeing like little clips. I think didn't they improve her missions a bit, or did she not have missions? Well, in one this of game? the one of the biggest criticisms of the original Spider-Man is that when you play Plus as the Mary, Mary Jane, yeah, you play as Mary Jane, you got to sneak around, and if you get caught, then it's game over, and you got to restart. Yeah. Um, oh. This time, they had her like go off and train with Sable between the events of the game, so she's got like she's more combat savvy, and she has like a stun gun, so you can you can sneak around in those missions, but like you can also attack and take someone down, and like it's not an immediate fail if you yeah. don't sneak. So she's. She's it's not like, like a gameplay a... expansion versus like a binary you win or lose. You have like different ways of playing the levels, I think. Yeah. You can still sneak through things. So um, it kind of fits that vibe a bit better than I think a lot of people thought the Mary Jane missions in the first game were like. And even the Miles Morales missions, because I think you get some powers as Miles Morales, but not a lot in the first game. Uh, but obviously, like, you know, there's a whole Miles Morales game that that also happened so the the expansion makes sense but with yeah. that was a big thing um i also just personally was not a fan of a lot of the redesigns just i i grew really attached to the characters the first time i played it um and it's fine like of course it makes sense it just 
it's quite a major redesign for a lot of those characters and and time has passed in the game but um i was also not a fan of the playstation uh the the ps4 spider-man one like update where they just added tom holland looking ass face to oh boy yep i know i know i'm opening up a bag of worms i know amen But, um, it's it because I grew really attached to the original character, and I, I saw a lot of emotion when I finished the game, and then, like, it's hard to see that shift, and, and, and I get what Sony's doing, but it just wasn't for me, so maybe maybe I'll play it in the future, I don't know yet. Yeah, so no Mary Jane in a sundress, that's what you're telling me. Nobby, I need that sundress, though. Me too. Um, Darren, Ouija, Colin, you guys want to talk about Spider-Man 2? Yeah, I'll jump in real quick. Okay. Um, so I really I played the first one. I really really liked it. Um, but I think I really liked it a lot more because of what like what Prey was saying, more of that emotional level that they had. And I liked the opening of the first game a lot, and how it kind of had this build up to a lot more bigger events. It seems like in the second one, I, I plan on getting it, but it seems like in the second one, uh, it's a lot more larger scale. Like there's a lot happening all at once. And that's fine. That's really cool. But that's just not like my personal preference when it comes to Spider-Man. I like the whole idea of like the the friendly neighborhood Spider-Man, the smaller, like he's focusing yeah. more on like one villain, not like he's taking on a major world ending threat. But that's really more of my preference. Um, yeah. I would have gotten it probably because of I would have gotten it if I had a PS5. But since I only have a PC, I'll just have to wait to get it. But I yeah, I plan on getting it when it comes to PC eventually. Yeah, I mean, I think the. The cold hard truth about it is that uh, between Spider-Man One and Spider-Man Two, they released Miles Morales and Rift, uh, Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart, which were two pretty am- pretty ambitious games for for being developed that quickly. So I think when you get to Spider-Man Two, I mean, I could be wrong. I, I'm not there behind the scenes, but I, I feel like going from Spider-Man One in 2018 to Spider-Man Two in 2023, five years, but having two pretty sizable games between there as well. Uh, they probably just couldn't make Spider-Man 2 as big or as long as the first. You know what I mean? I don't know if that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, for sure. Um, it's funny It's funny you say that, Darren. Like, you've said, like, you love the friendly neighborhood stuff, but that first game does turn it on its head, where, like, it ends up being a Sinister Six. six True. And it's, it does. Uh, but it, it does. still keeps that emotional core at the at it, and it's like, it, it punches you in the gut in so many ways, and I, I really did love that game. Yeah, it's funny because... Like what you were saying, how it uh, it changes and you get a lot more villains later on. I liked the story overall of the first one. I don't want to get too sidetracked talking about the first game because that came out a while ago. But I didn't necessarily, I didn't hate that part. I really liked it. But it definitely, I really liked the more beginning of it and the lead up to it more than the second half of that game. But that's just me. Yeah. Um, Ouija, Colin, you guys want to say anything or are you good? Man, uh... All right, I'll, I'll, I'll sub one thing. Okay. Right? I don't have a PS5, uh, but I would like to get this in the first game as well. Uh, I can tell you guys why I didn't win the Game Awards, all right? It's that uggo-ass Miles Morales suit. All right, I said my piece. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's the truth. It's a little odd, for sure. They murdered my boy. Yeah. They, they made it so the mask cuts around his hair, so his hair pops out the top. It's a little odd. Yeah. I don't the funky, the funky Adidas shoes too, like dude. <laughs> yeah. Colin, you got any comments on Spider Man 2? No. Okay, that's completely fine. You, nobody needs to uh, 
to speak up on a particular game. But if I start to move on and one of you wanted to say something and I missed you, please feel free to interrupt me. Are you guys ready to move on to number four? Yes, sir. Yeah. Okay, uh, number four with 27 votes. So Spider-Man 2 had 24, so this 27, just three more, was Final Fantasy 16. Um, which, once again, I know uh, I'm the only one here who's played it. I know uh, Wesley You rigged is... that shit, Brian. Admit it. <laughs> no. Me, <laughs> no, you know what's funny? Like, I can honestly tell you from how the votes come out is that uh, Final Fantasy 16 didn't have, like, the most amount of people voting for it, but everyone who vo- almost everyone who voted for it had it in their number one spot. So five points, five points, five points. Um, even Wesley, I believe, had that at number one, which he hasn't played it, but that helped. Get it up there. So, yeah, I paid him off. No, I'm Get kidding. Nerd. <laughs> um, but no, I'll right. just say, yeah, I'll just say quickly, I won't uh, go too long. I'll, I'll let Wesley talk about it because I know he's excited for it. Um, but the thing about Final Fantasy 16 is it's uh, the ways, it doesn't really innovate in, in any way, but what it does is it brings the the, the visuals to a new height, the uh, the music to a new height. Um, just the, the overall quality of it feels like, it's like when Game of Thrones was like the most expensive TV show out there. That's kind of what Final Fantasy 16 feels like. It doesn't feel like it's lacking in anywhere. It just feels like tons of money was poured into it. But it's got a really great narrative, really great characters. Uh, they've made the combat more accessible to general audiences than ever. Obviously, it's going to disappoint some people because it's not turn-based, but it's more you know action-based. But um, it's very approachable. Very high budget, uh, great characters. Like I said, the main character, Clive, I think is in the running for best Final Fantasy character ever. He's very uh, lovable character. He's kind of like Geralt, but more, even more, but more soft-hearted. Um, me and my wife played this together. It was a blast. Um, it, was, it was my game of the year. It was her game of the year. Um, yeah, I really enjoyed it. I mean, I, I, obviously this isn't the place to go into the story and spoilers, but it was emotional and uh, just had everything I would want from a Final Fantasy game. It's second only to Final Fantasy VII for me. So uh, over to you, Wes. And it, I get so excited just hearing you talk about it because I know I know I'm gonna feel a similar sort of way. I Final Fantasy 16 would have been it's it's one of two games last year that would have been just like colossal for me if I had had the access. Yeah. So that makes it a little a little difficult to talk about. But um, it's I mean I'm gonna get to it real quick this year, um, and I, I kind of suspect that it's gonna shake up things for me. And that's why I had it placed on my list where I where I did. Um, I think it deserves it too. I'm really glad that it won. Um, what did, did it win? Soundtrack, not sound design, but uh, uh, it won. It won uh, best. Yeah, best soundtrack, I believe. Yeah, soundtrack. Okay, yeah. And I mean, I just I know that it deserves that for sure. I'm I'm not the kind of person that will listen to um, soundtracks of any kind, movie soundtracks, video game soundtracks, whatever. Um, just like on my own in my free time but final fantasy changed that for me big time um that is that is something the series does exceptionally well um so i'm, I'm glad to see it get recognized in that way and i'm really glad that it that it made our list even though i don't think um at least i don't think i mean only like you said only only you of of the group of us here has played it um so yeah i mean i'm just i'm happy to see it i'm really excited to get to it um I'm sure it deserves a lot of praise. Well, um, something I'll I'll give you guys for uh, behind-the-scenes info, I think the listeners will appreciate as well, is um, I think, Corey, I think you were the one I, that I was talking to when I said this, but about a week ago, or a couple weeks ago, I said there's one game on this list that everybody has as kind of like a consolation game. 
Um, and that was Spider-Man 2. Everybody like Spider-Man 2 has 11 different people who had it on their list, but almost everyone had it at the number five spot, pretty low. So it only got one point, one point, one point. Then you go over to something like Final Fantasy 16. Only seven people had Final Fantasy 16 on their list, but of those seven, four of them it was in the number one spot. So it ended up getting more points than Spider-Man 2. So. Um, is there anybody else who wants to talk about Final Fantasy 16, or would you like I to? I got forward? something to say. Go ahead, Josh. This shit ain't nothing to me, man. Oh! Got him. Oh. Exactly what I was going to drop. There we go. <laughs> listen, yes. listen. How many fantasies are final if we've done it 16 times? There you know go. what I'm saying? That's we're what going I'm saying. through this many games, and we're still calling it the Final Fantasy? Man, it's like. I remember this scene from the movie Basketball, and this dude's, like, getting ragged on. His name's Squeak Scolari, right? And he's, like, he gets so upset at these guys cutting him down and ripping into him that he's, like, I swear to God, guys, you rip on me 13 to 14 more times, I'm out of here. It reminds me of Final Fantasy, you know? If you if you guys, you know, rip on me, like, 15 or 16 more times, it's really going to be final. You know what I'm saying? You know, me, me <laughs> and Wesley. How long do we got to go? With it, bro? Final, Wesley, final Fantasy. Wesley and I are in the corner, like, with our, our, our with angry faces, like, this is bullshit, man. <laughs> no, in all, in all seriousness, though, this game it looked really cool. There was that there was a tipping point for me where I was like almost over of wanting to get it. I thought the aesthetics looked very cool. I don't go for a lot of like, and I'm not trying to diss Final Fantasy. I'm just like I'm ignorant, so I'm putting the fault on myself when I say this. But like this sort of kaiju almost inspired like beast that you sometimes fight in some of these games. I don't really uh, go for that as much personally, even though I really enjoy Godzilla shit oddly, but. Uh, um, the aesthetic in this one I thought looked pretty cool and I really, really wanted to maybe try it. And then so many other games were getting announced and I knowing myself, I thought, well, I just, I'm not going to have time to play this. So I'm not going to, you know, like another time, another time that game will still be out there. It'll go down in price, probably have some complete edition. And that's when I can pick it up for $20 and, uh, have my final fantasy for the 16th time with it but uh yeah looks awesome looks awesome Corey, did you want to say i know it i'm sorry yeah. i thought i thought you were finishing up josh i apologize it's okay it did sound like a period was there but <laughs> <laughs> but uh but yeah no uh it just it looks cool i know i i know it uh i think the linearity kind of irked some people a little bit uh long time fans i think to my understanding but that's probably perfect for me when the time comes that's all i got to say okay shit don't mean nothing to me man yeah this is kind of the one PS5 game that's out that is on my must play list that's an exclusive uh, I feel like everything else has been either an upgrade or remake yeah but yeah, I'll it's... check this one out I liked 15 I like the the remake of 7 I'm enjoying Crisis Core right now for the first time uh, so yeah I'll check it out yeah I think you'll I think you'll really love it um, anybody else have anything to say on Final Fantasy 16 is yeah, the resident hater in this discord man <laughs> oh, Josh, Joshy Poo, do you know why it's called Final Fantasy? I don't. So when, this studio, when they put that first one out, it was going to be their last game uh, because they were going under, so they called it Final Fantasy. And then it did so well that the studio got to, like, reopen the doors and give everyone their jobs back. And Oh, that's awesome. You know, they didn't want to change the I'm name because it's game. brand recognition, of course, so now it's well, the just more you know. joke. <laughs> that's actually really cool. 
That's actually yeah. really, really cool. And I, I don't mean to, I'm just joshing when I, when I say that stuff for people. No, no, it's totally, like, it's funny, man. Like, yeah. it's, it's funny, but I mean, there's plenty of other game series I play that have ridiculous titles, and that's, that's, that's the Final Fantasy cool, series. You, you just offended me really deeply is all. It's cool. <laughs> <laughs> okay, guys, oh, are well, we? Uh, yeah. I, Sorry, I do just want to say one thing. Um, this is, this game won Best Soundtrack, right, at the Game Awards? Yeah. And it was one of those awards that was just said, and then that was it? Yeah. All right, I just want to point out, homie Masayoshi Soken, all right, he, he penned this soundtrack, this award-winning soundtrack, while going through chemotherapy in his fucking hospital bed. Holy shit. Well, probably I'm an asshole. To accept it. Yep. And, you know, I've heard bits and pieces of it, and it's amazing. I mean, it's Final Fantasy. My, my, my relationship with Final Fantasy is I don't play anything but a couple spinoffs here and there, but I fuck with the music, and whew. My yeah. man, mm-hmm. damn. Yeah, it, it, you know, if this was going to be his magnum, his magnum opus, where, you know, God forbid, he went out, he didn't. His cancer's in remission. It's great. Uh, oh wow. Yeah, it, it would have been like an amazing note to go out on, <laughs> and I just wanted to point that out. Mm-hmm. Fuck you, yeah, Jeff Keighley. Awesome. I didn't know that. It's a shame <laughs> they didn't like highlight that. You know, when, yeah, too bad. Too bad. Jeff Keighley just yelled it and then moved along. Yeah, so had to get his jerk off his next uh, friend. Thank you, Jeff. Hollywood. Thank you, thank you, Jeff. Advertiser. Yeah, it was definitely definitely not right how they went about the awards, and of course we've talked about yeah. that before. Um, yeah. yeah, Final Fantasy sixteen is one of less than ten soundtracks that I listen to in the car and at work, uh, aside from the game. You know, like Halo two and stuff's up there, Cyberpunk, Doom twenty sixteen. But yeah, that was another one up there. So yeah, it was a great soundtrack. Did you say you had more to say, Prey? Or oh no, I'm I make fun of the game a lot yeah. because it's I know this game is built for people who like certain games, like JRPGs is just not my thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, just, I'm happy you guys have the space and that it's getting recognized. Um, I will never play or touch any of these games, but and I will always be here in this Discord hating it to death. But yes, I, I will commit to the bit. Perfectly so, balanced, like all things should be. Uh, yeah, somebody's got to pull the two of you back into the corner. You know, exactly. Can't let you, can't let you, can't let you out of your cage. You know, Ray's over there blindfolded, holding up the scales of justice. Yeah, <laughs> just Final Fantasy is the one side, and then every other game is on the other side. <laughs> um, Darren or Colin, you guys got anything? Or are we moving forward? I don't have much to say. Colin, I'll, I'll probably, I'll probably play Visions of Mana before I play Final Fantasy sixteen. Uh, yeah, fair enough. <laughs> fair enough. Okay, guys, we're moving on to the number three. This one, I think, is extra special because it's the only time we had a direct tie. That means there's six games instead of five in this list. Do you, do you want to take a guess which two games tied? Jedi Survivor is one of them. Okay, Prey says Jedi Survivor is one of them. What do you guys think? I'm thinking it might be Alan Wake 2. Alan Wake 2? You guys, you guys are freaking good because it was a tie between Jedi Survivor and Alan Wake 2 at 33 votes. There we go. Wow. <laughs> kind of crazy for the, for the number three this spot. Um, so I think there's more people here who have played Jedi Survivor. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think so. Yep. Um, so let's go and pass it over to, I'll pass it over to Wes to start us out. Jedi Survivor, number three, tied with Alan Wake 2. What do you think, Wes? Oh, I love it. I love it. I think, I think Jedi Survivor deserves it. Um, I, I know there was tough competition at the Game Awards, but I feel like it got, it got snubbed a little bit. Um, that's that's more personal though. I'm glad to see it 
on our list though um even if it's tied i think it's neat that it's that it's here um this this kind of kind of goes into some different territory so i'll, I'll, I'll kind of try to find a different way to say it but i think jedi survivor is a really really good example of a of a triple a game in in 2023 um it, it could have easily been my just my de facto game of the year i think it does so many things right um the gameplay is is so much fun it's fantastic what they did with customization um compared to the first game um it's, it's just a blast like you you get to feel like you are um cal you know you, you get to do what you what you will with his his outfit and his lightsabers the lightsaber stuff is crazy um i'm excited to hear what darren's gonna say because he's like fresh in it right now oh yeah um but the like the story the story i was impressed with um i like what josh has said in the past about it is it, it does seem a little like uh who a little it's like a tad fan fictiony but not 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 in the bad way i think mm-hmm. i they're, they're doing this whole thing right now in star wars where they're trying to build up um the the period before episode one like the high republic era and this kind of like skirts into that a little bit and i think it does it really well um there, there's some like more fantastical elements but it's kind of rough when you're trying to tell a star wars story in in the space that they're trying to tell it you know you can't mess with too much so considering the restraints i think they did a really good job it's it's just a great game um like i like i already said i just think it's a really good example of a triple a game you know from from this this time that we're living in in the industry um it's it's got everything you want it's got some things you don't want but you're like well it's a triple a game it's got to appeal to everybody um yeah i I can pass it on to somebody else i just had a lot of fun i'd say we uh pass it to josh because obviously josh liked it a lot as well but i think he's a little less on it high on it than you and darren so to to make it even it out let's go to josh oh man (laughs) damn i'm about to have so much fun with these soundboards anyway yeah no wesley made a ton of great points and i've been having some really good conversations at different points between wesley and darren just about star wars stuff and then also just canon versus like legend stuff and yeah i mean i think i've definitely had a little bit of a turnaround i mean i i was pretty harsh on the game uh, after initially beating it and playing through it and the biggest problem i had was just like as much as i loved how the game felt expanded and looked gorgeous i mean you know everything you like from the first one is improved i don't feel like they go backwards on it just goes forwards but not so much that it feels like uh to a fault or anything it's nice to see the evolution nice to feel like they've solidified this as being a franchise you know whether they just do one more game or whatever they want to however they want to take it forward but the problems i had was just more so in a lot of uh like like wes mentioned the uh bit of the fan fictiony sort of feel with some of the high republic stuff and and then also just the way they sort of implemented the looting and uh, you know, that's more my take. I've not seen a single other person out there have this take. So, I mean, I've definitely got to be in the minority. Got to be wrong on this compared to most. But, you know, I loved, like in the first one, being able to go around and have to kind of solve puzzles more or less to open these crates, fight the Agdo Bagdo for that legendary pink poncho. You know, that stuff is really, really fun. I got a lot out of it. But then in this one, on top of it, you're sort of like having to hunt for loot because now there's vendors 
that also provides stuff you can unlock just by, you know, using loot. And this planet like Jeddah, you know, may include, like, you need to collect scrolls. This other planet, it's discs. You know, they have a different type of, um, what do you call it? Uh, item, like a... Yeah. Like... Yeah. So like on each... E currency, yeah, currency, that works. Yeah. yeah, so different currency uh, themed depending on the planet you're on. But you have to sort of loot them to be able to go buy that. And I was fine with that. That makes sense, you know. But then some of them, like, have certain ways you have to almost sort of, like, unlock them. Like, there's this little, like, creature that will burrow itself underground and you have to, like, you oh, know. Fuck those guys, man. Yeah, you have to, like, basically <laughs> time it, you know, a certain way. It's it, almost a little bit of a puzzle in of itself to make sure you can kill that thing so then you can get the loot for that and when i was done with the all of a sudden done with the story really and i was just kind of going around cleaning up loose ends with all that stuff i just burnt myself out on it you know it just became so much and because i wasn't doing like a little bit of that and then the story a little bit of that in the story um and it was just all the one thing i just was i started to hate it and then it just between that and then how i felt on the some of the more fan fictiony feeling aspects started to sort of shift my perception of the game but ultimately i mean it's awesome you know and and canon versus legends shouldn't really matter all star wars is fun star wars there's something for everybody you know i remember the legends canon had like an ewok that had force powers or something like that or maybe it was a, a droid i'm thinking of but it went pretty crazy you know and it did a lot of stuff and the canon's doing stuff and i don't think there's a single franchise out there that's gonna wholeheartedly please a single person like a single fan you know like a halo fan's not gonna just like every single piece of uh, established halo canon and stuff like that so on and so forth so i'm fine with it as it is it means a lot to people and my my take on it is more in the minority and i'm completely fine with that i'm glad a lot of people had fun with it and i think the best thing it did again was solidify that as being a franchise the first one could have just been lightning in a bottle and the second one was a dud but I think it was even better than the first one for most people, even though that one's my favorite. But uh, this was an awesome game, and I see why a lot of people loved it. And, uh, you know, I love getting Star Wars games. I can't wait for more of what's to come. So, yeah, this is this was awesome. Great job by Respawn. Um, saving Darren for last because he's the freshest on it. Prey, you want to go next? Uh, sure. Yeah. Um, this was number two on my list, uh, very solidly. Um, with such a banger year of games, I'm actually really sad I didn't play a lot more single-player games, but this was something that was on my radar ever since E3 last year on that first trailer. Um, maybe two years ago. God, time is a flat circle. Um, <laughs> but um, there's, you know, I think of a game like Halo 5. Sorry, I don't want to compare the two games, but uh, Halo 5 took like eight different books as reference that you had to know going into the story. Mm -hmm. um, and that's why it failed as a story for a lot of people. Jedi Survivor balances these novels of the High Republic plus the established six movies. I don't. It doesn't reference the sequels much, which is like fair. Um, but in my brain, it's doing all of that, which is a shit ton of work, while making it accessible and like easy to digest while also handling its own story and continuing its own story from the first one and making sure that all of those feelings are meaningful. And um, in my opinion, based off of what people are saying about Spider-Man 2, where like it's it, like there's those shortcomings, I think Jedi Survivor hot to, doesn't really have those shortcomings. It scales up in a lot of almost all ways. 
it pays homage to every era of Star Wars in some way. Um, outside of the sequels, because that's not really in its purview of lore. Um, while also introducing these new ideas to the High Republic. Like, this is the biggest... This will be the biggest example of the High Republic on any stage because those books are just books. They don't sell as well as this game will sell and how good it will do in media. Um, That's a good point. I, I, I love this game like with a lot of my heart and um, it was it was something really special that I got to play. So um, I I can't say enough about how much I love it. Like um, To have five different play styles be balanced in a game, to have enemies not feel too repetitive to still keep the story tight my only real downfall is Dagon Gera just sucks ass as a villain and and like <laughs> and like he keeps yelling and about Tanalore and I get it like I get I get it buddy you really want to get back there bud but it's just not happening so stop trying to make Tanalore happen yeah literally and <laughs> and it got a little repetitive with his voice lines but like even then he was really fun to fight um, I would say in the first game, there's a little bit more of that like scale up of, of like who you're fighting gets harder over the game. I didn't really feel that as much in this game, um, but I think the twists in this game and the way it turns and and those little fun gameplay mechanics and moments that you get to have are much better in the first than the first game. Um, the gameplay is just expanded to such an extent. I I like, can't get over how much I love that, and I can't wait for the third game. It is worried to me that the game director is not there anymore. He has like left the company, at least like with Ragnarok and the first game. Corey Balrog was like still there as like an executive producer, like Stieg Armisen, I think is his name. Sounds his right. First, his name is Stieg. That's all I know. Stieg. Um, he's like left the company, and we know how often changing creative directors can really uh, screw with the game's like flow and like excitement and 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 its overall vision, and the story gets left off in such a really nice way where it can have a great third act. And um, I would just hate to see it fumble on that. So that's something that worries me, but that's a, that's a four years down the road problem. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Darren, do you want to go forward? Yeah. So I had a pretty unique experience with it because I hadn't touched uh, fallen order the first game until uh, over this Christmas when I had a, a longer like vacation break from work. So I played through all of that. I really, really liked the first game a lot. Uh, immediately fell in love with it. And so I was kind of expecting the second game to be more of the same with maybe like a few upgrades. And I was just blown away with how much more expanded it was. I feel like it's a perfect example of how much upscale a sequel should have um, when it comes to AAA games. Really, really good. I totally see where Josh is saying about the fanfic stuff. It just is kind of, it is kind of funny. But I feel like all the other areas and aspects of the story do a really, really good job of balancing out and creating a good game. I was uh, very impressed with all of the planets and the amount of exploration there was. Um, yeah, that was pretty good. Um, yeah, I didn't, I didn't know anything about the High Republic that they had before going into this game, and I feel like they did a really, really good job at balancing out and introducing a lot of those aspects into the game without you having to have any prior knowledge because you playing as Cal are learning the same pace he's learning. It's not like he has all of this previous information that you don't have that you have to go and read some books. Um, so they did a really good job introducing that. I actually just wrapped up the game last night, so that was really fun. Um, Perfect I felt timing. Like the 
I know. <laughs> I oh, felt congrats. like the the ending could have been a little bit stronger. Um, I felt like it kind of just ended, but not. Maybe it's just because I I wanted something a little bit bigger, or more of a. I don't know. I guess I was looking forward to something a little bit bigger. It felt like it kind of just ended, but I, it was still a great. It was still a really really good ending, and I was very uh very happy with where the game went. Very impressed by everything they did. And just blown away by the story. Definitely one of my top ten games for sure. That's awesome to hear, That's man. Especially awesome. with you playing it so recently. Um, now, Ouija, Corey, uh, Colin, did you guys play this game at all? I didn't. I started it last night. Um, nice. I actually kind of I was kind of turned off by um, the idea of playing it around release because of Josh's reaction to it. Mm. Like oh, it I'm sorry, man. And so, well, no, it's not that. I mean, the, the intention was always there to play it, but I was like, okay, I'm just going to wait, give the developer time to fix some of these issues that can be fixed. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, last night just kind of dipped my toe in to get a taste of it. I liked the first one as kind of a, a Metroid Prime-style game um, slotted into the Star Wars universe. I think it's I think it's good for gaming to have Star Wars games coming out because the hobby and that franchise just tend to coalesce really well. And like in the good old days of LucasArts, you know, everyone was happy. Even mm-hmm. when those games are not AAA, uh, 10 out of 10 bangers, you know, there's still good ideas going into them and people are getting a lot of enjoyment out of the fiction. Um, right. So yeah, I liked what I, like I said, just dipped my toe in. Uh, it's definitely slick. Um, feels like a sequel, you know, and Respawn is awesome. So I expect it to be good. I'm excited. I'm excited to play it. I'm waiting for it to go on a sale. I know it's went on sale once already, but I wanted just a little bit bigger of a sale because I'm not in too big of a hurry. But I am excited to play this game, and I, I will do so as soon as I can get I, it. At I got price. one last thing to say. Okay. I do think that these two games have done a good job of establishing these characters well enough to make them feel like they exist. Like it's a. I mean, we don't have time to go into. It's not a Star Wars episode, but uh, like. At least for myself, whenever I experience a new Star Wars thing, there's that part of my brain that's on autopilot where I'm like, like when they first revealed that Kylo Ren was the name of the new bad and Force Awakens, there was that part of my brain that was like, okay, does this feel Star Wars? And then it kind of didn't, and then it immediately did. And like, that's just a me thing. Being into Star Wars, I'm sure a lot of other people feel that way too with like Halo things or uh, other franchises too. I've definitely done that with Middle Earth stuff like with Tally and Brian, but uh, yeah, (laughs) I mean, I feel like these games have done a good job of uh making these characters feel like you know you care about them and they they have their place and people want to see more and i think especially regarding my own criticism of some of the more fan fictiony feeling elements you know you go another 10 years into the future i feel like that would that take will be null and void just because there's going to be so much more canon established so for people that like high republic stuff is so hot right now for star wars and disney regarding that brand but like you go ten years into the future, and maybe that stuff's expanded. But like people will be so used to High Republic stuff that someone who's never played that game and says, "I'm gonna start playing Jedi Survivor today," and then they go in and they experience that type of stuff. That's probably gonna be pretty cool for them, you know. I think the only thing, the only the only thing that really I think I can objectively take away for myself is that like the Marin romance. As much as I really like that stuff, I was a little bummed that I feel like much that was kind of developed was took place between the two games and i'm just a sucker for seeing that type of like romance like play out and develop and they kind of catch you up at a point where these two are reuniting but 
uh, at the yeah. same time. Um, you know, I don't want to go too much into spoilers, but it just, I wanted to see more development there. That's all. But it's it's good, and I mean, those characters are great, and uh, I love, I mean, I, I still love the game. I can, I'll pick up the third one day one. So it's it's awesome. I think everyone everyone's take on it has been valid and uh, makes sense to me why uh, people love it so much. That's all, though. Uh, Ouija, Colin, do you guys have anything to add on this? EA making good games again. Who'd have thought? <laughs> cool. <laughs> Colin, have you played Jedi Survivor? I have not. I didn't get around to uh, Fallen Order. I'm more of a a shooter when it comes to Star Wars. Yeah. Type guy. Like My favorite of the games is the original Battlefront because you don't yeah. play as a Jedi, Banger. because you play as a regular mm-hmm. foot soldier. Mm-hmm. Um, like Republic Commando? I do. Republic Commando. Check those wrist rockets. Oh my goodness. I I miss that. I hope that game is one of the new EA or uh, Star Wars games they think about. How Uh, is it we don't... How is it we've had two of the OG Battlefronts, two of the new Battlefronts, and we just can't get a third one? I mean, come on. So disappointing. It's a curse. You'll get a Uh, reboot, Josh. You'll get a Battlefront reboot. (laughs) Yeah, third (laughs) reboot. Brian, I had a question for you. What's up? Battlefield Um, (laughs) (laughs) 1.3. Um... So I, I don't know what it's like now because I played the game months and months ago, but I know optimization was a thing with this game where uh, people were uh, talking about like load times and like tearing. And I don't know if that's fixed. It probably is because uh, they keep updating the game. But is there a specific console you want to play this on? Because I know you have both uh, consoles. I know you don't have a PC. I played on PC and had almost no problems. I had a couple of jitters, but like, is there just whichever one comes on sale first? Um, I, I would prefer Xbox just because I own Fallen Order there, but I mean, if it was on a sale on PlayStation, I'd play it there just as just as well. Just so, to get it. I'm, Sorry, yeah, I'm, it a... I'm excited to play it, genuinely. Like, um, And the thing is, what's great is, you know, I've, anybody who's you know been around me long enough knows that I've given crap to uh, Cal Kestis, the main character of, of these games. And um, while I did not care the most for his characterization in the first game or his name, um, the second game's existence and what I've seen of it and the trailers and just, just familiarity, kind of like Josh has said with like Kylo Ren, the familiarity kind of set for him. Um, I've come around a lot. Like I'm, I mean, I, I wouldn't, I can't say right now that I would, I still love, that I would love Cal Kestis, um, but um, I'm ready to play that second game and go in with an open mind and I think I'll have a really good time. So I, I'm looking forward to it. I did find him more likable in this game, personally. Yeah, for sure. They definitely give him a bit more of that, like, rugged, like, kind of, not Han Solo-y, but Mm -hmm. still somebody who's trying to find his way in the world, but is also super confident in himself in the world. He's definitely less green. So one thing that's really cool about going from the first game directly to the second is I could immediately tell the differences between performances. Like, he, the... Cameron, I forget his last, how to pronounce yeah. his last Monahan. name. Monahan. Yeah, Monahan. Uh, you could tell he was acting more like a younger kid in the first game, and then immediately jumping to the second one, like the way he used, like the way he talks and his voice and how That's he cool. acts. I like that. Very yeah. different, and I was very impressed to notice that. I was kind of just expecting the same performance and just written a little bit differently, but it was really cool to see how he, like how he would uh, say words more and te- yeah. like speak, and the words he would use would sound more Jedi-like. It's just really cool. The introduction really showed that. I thought it was really cool. Yeah, he, he. It's definitely like the the game matures. Like I would say, the first game is him as like a early teen to middle mm-hmm. teen. Who's like he's like seventeen or something like yeah. that. But he's like trapped because he's like 
lost connection to the force so he's trapped in that like kid state of being a padawan at the same time and just trying to survive mm -hmm. and this is like he's really grown past into like a leader of what he can be or like you know somebody who's just confident and winning himself and that really mm -hmm. helped a lot for his character that's awesome for sure. i'm looking forward to it um yeah tied with jedi survivor was alan wake 2 once again at 33 votes i'm gonna hand it over to Corey uh to take yeah, this away Corey. Alan Let's Wake 2, uh, Sacred Icons number 3, tied with Jedi Survivor. What do you think, Corey? Uh, am I the only one here who played it? Oh, Besides no. Colin? Yeah, we got Colin, too. I'm excited for Colin's take as well. All right. I think I'll and let Colin go first. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rant for a couple minutes about this one. Okay. Over to you, Colin. Alan Wake 2. All right. Alan Wake 2 is a really good game. Um, definitely wasn't necessarily my type of game. Um, but it was a lot of fun. I did have some frustrations with it, uh, as far as like bugs were concerned. Um, and then, uh, sometimes it was more like the, it, the shooting wasn't up to what I would prefer for shooting, but it was good for the game. Um, some of the enemy types I didn't like, but as Corey said, they made sense in the, in in the setting like i didn't like it in the dark world when you had to fight just the shadow guys because i thought those guys were boring to fight um but i also didn't like 2017 prey because it was like i was fighting goo monsters and it felt like i was playing, <laughs> you know world world of goo and i was like i don't really want to fight these guys over and over again but this the the um the game is saga saga had an awesome story um that was really fun to play um, and then um, when you got to play, we get to fight real enemies as Alan. That was awesome too. And then of course you have the uh, the section that I'm sure Corey will talk about um, with the with the band, and that was amazing. Um, but overall, I'd probably give it an eight and a half, like objectively. Um, I really enjoyed it. I did have my issues with it, but I mean, have you it, ever played Control, Dante? I have not played control. I played Quantum Break. Ah, okay. I have cool. not played control. Yeah, it has that same gooey thing because you end up fighting a lot of guards. So I was like, I was like, okay. maybe if you would get that same feeling. Okay. And play... you didn't play Alan Wake One or Max Payne either, right? I played Max Payne. Yeah. Oh. I, I played Max Payne One and Two when they first came out, but I have not played Alan Wake One. All right, so I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about this one for a little bit here. Uh, give you some run-on sentences. Go for it. Pop off. So for me, I played you know Max Payne one and two back in the day. Became a big fan of Remedies early. Alan Wake was huge for me. I was anticipating that game because I knew how good that studio was, and they were making like a Stephen King kind of horror, not really Silent Hill dreadful horror, but like approachable in a way, you know. Um, it was around 2016, shortly after I'd gotten an Xbox One, played Quantum Break, Destiny was out, and I kind of declared in my mind, like, you know, Remedy is my favorite studio, because they're always, always cutting edge, even when they don't necessarily land with 100% success. They're doing cutting edge things with technology, with storytelling, the way they tell stories, like when they're budget constrained and they just use, like, comic strips voice acted by the studio members for telling a story with no budget, essentially. Creative ways that kind of push the art forward for other small studios. Um, even up to, like, with Quantum Break, you know, putting a TV show in between the chapters and the episodes would play out according to decisions you make. 
that didn't necessarily land with resounding success, but the performances were good, and it led to other ideas that get embellished in inside of gameplay, you know, later for them. So for someone who's been a huge fan of them, this game, it, there is nothing greater that could be delivered to a fan base of tens or hundreds of us, however many there are, in the form of a playable experience. It's it transcends gaming with all of these other games contributing to it in a way that like it's almost like when you see a bronze statue of Rocky in Philadelphia. The word mm-hmm. Rocky means so many different things to so many different people and the words Alan Wake 2 mean so much more than just a video game. Like the amount of music that was created just for this, not just by the band Old Gods of Asgard, which are like the Remedy in-house favorite. They've been in their games for years. Uh, they had Poe do essentially an album's worth of original stuff for this. They had another album's worth just for Saga's uh, story that plays in between of all of her chapters. And some of those songs really hit home with the story and the way that they're integrated in a way that made me tear up at one point. As uh, you know, I dealt with a lot of death last year. It tapped into that. But I could honestly, you know, regardless of what I had dealt with, I could count on one hand the number of games that I've played who can actually earn that weight with a narrative to make me feel that way, regardless of what's going on in my life. Um, like Colin said, it's it's got the musical section with the band that made me think about new genres of games that have never been created. And Remedy's always kind of doing that, like inventing new little mechanics within a game that could be blown out elsewhere by other studios, but they just move on to another idea. Um, it made me think about TV shows and books that I love, you know, the, the dramatic arcs and pacing and how and when they drop info about their larger universe. It made me think about, like, time travel movies, like how hard it must have been to fucking screenwrite Back to the Future 2 in a way where a mass audience would get it all, you know, regardless of what you could throw in there to make it deeper or more complex or whatever. They had to tell a pretty complex story with lots of ins and outs in a way that people could understand it in 90 minutes to two hours and remember it and like tell their friends about it. Um, So I really think that there's, you know, nothing better for a fan of a studio. I couldn't ask for anything better. Like this topped Halo three in terms of this is the culmination of everything this franchise has done being delivered to you. This felt like everything this studio has been building towards for decades, all coming together into not the biggest game ever, but in terms of like what it offers from an art perspective, packed to the fucking gills, like exploding. I'm on my fourth playthrough right now. They added a new game plus mode that changes the narrative where the characters have deja vu and recall events from your previous playthroughs. It is fan fucking tastic. And one thing I want to say about it before we move on is, um, unfortunately, I mean, fortunately, this game does get compared to Twin Peaks a whole lot. And for good reason, because it's got a lot of like elements that are, if not straight up ripped off, like borrowed or heavily inspired by that show and kind of the mood of that show. But unfortunately, one thing that doesn't get talked about enough that it does share with that show is right after Twin Peaks came back after 25 years of dormancy, a whole bunch of actors immediately passed away, starting with Katherine Coulson. I actually have a log lady tattoo. My dog is named Maggie after her character. She died days after shooting her scenes for that movie. And then after season three launched, uh, the actress plays Norma, Peggy Lipton died, Harry Dean Stanton died, he's from Kentucky, same as me, Uh, Al Strobel, John Forrester, like the list goes on, Uh, Piper Laurie, Miguel Ferrer, all these cast members have died since that 
resurgence of the franchise. And unfortunately, in September, uh, James McCaffrey passed away, who's the voice of Max Payne. Um, he was the director in Control. He was Alex mm -hmm. Casey in Alan Wake 2. Um, you probably saw him portrayed by Sam Lake, who's the writer of all those games. He was dancing at the Game Awards. Um, so I'm, I'm thankful that he got to see some of that game's, you know, positive reception. Um, but it's unfortunate. That's just a sad fact that those two things share in common, as well as lots of other elements. So I yeah. highly encourage everybody to check this game out. Yeah, you know, what I really loved is because somebody who has relatively no experience with Remedy, I beat over half of the first Alan Wake. I think that's about it. Um, and as someone who's seen in the Discord that when this game came out, there wasn't a ton of people hyping up and playing it. Um, to see you get it, Corey, and talk about how just phenomenal and earth-shattering it was for you, and then to see the awards come out and it be like, yeah, this is this is the case. This is true. This is how good best this narrative, game is. Best direction, I think it was. Yeah, um, it's it's a complex game. It's a complex story, but it's told in a way where, you know, you can bounce between the two characters, Alan and Saga, at will, and the stories do affect each other, but they don't trample on each other. You're not learning things from playing one ahead of the other. The way that they balance that is so delicate, and like, it hurts my brain to think about. You know. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, this is the only game that really put its fists out and, and, and punched at Baldur's Gate 3 a few times. And, you know, it, did, it didn't ultimately just take it down, but, man, it sure gave it one hell of a beating, you know? I think it was well-recognized on that yeah. like, level, yeah. you know? Absolutely. This game, this game was at, like, the only other game this year that had the same aura about it for even contending to be as, like, the top game of the year. Yep. Like, yeah. Like, there was an energy, and it released so close to all these award shows that it was like it's insane how fast that turnaround was. So like, I don't know. I, I I've only played it out of out of. Fresh. Sorry, you go, Josh, please. No, no, no. I was just saying it was it was fresh. What you were saying, yeah. like just around that time. So yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Um, I, I I haven't played any Remedy games outside of Control, which is really weird. Um, I think I got it for free on the Epic Game Store. So thank you. China for giving me the game for free because um, <laughs> they own Epic. So uh, um, it was some, and I really liked Control. Control was something that I really didn't play a lot of in terms of games, that third person shooter with like all these really crazy psychedelic elements. And everything I've heard about Alan Wake 2 has been so positive that like nobody has, like, glitches are glitches, but nobody has really been like, this game is fucking terrible. And I'm like, it's it's great to see another game where it's just so universally enjoyed or at least appreciated. Um, I got a feel for the fact that... Didn't Tony also play this game with you guys? Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah me Shout and him were going through it together. Oh, kind of on the same level of excitement. I really wish he was available for specifically this placing because he's playing through Survivor right now and Alan Wake 2 was one of... I remember how much he was gushing over this game. So... It's something that I miss where I was like, I would love to hear his thoughts because like, yeah, and on both of these things because it's like a fresh experience versus something he's like had to sit with for a bit and like mm -hmm. kind of get his final thoughts on. So he was someone I wanted to be here because I, I was the only one who knew what the rankings were and I was like, man, Alan Wake Two is going to show up and like Tony would yeah. be great for this after you know Corey was my first thought and then I went to Tony. I I, I think I kind of I think I knew you played it, Colin, but I don't I don't think I realized that you beat it or or were huge on it. So my apologies. No, it was definitely a great 
great game. Even though it wasn't my cup of like tea specifically, I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed it enough to 100% complete it. So I mean, it's, still it's well. that good. So. It's awesome. It just seems cool. so fun. It seems like something that's so special, and that's something that only Remedy does. Like, mm-hmm. it's, it's one of yeah. the few. It's truly one of the few studios in the world now, where when a Remedy game is coming out, everyone knows a Remedy game is coming out, and yeah. like. There's an art style. There's a um, psychedelicness. There's a campiness. There's a um, really deep level of storytelling that does that 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 requires something past like playing like a Call of Duty game or something. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's like you yeah, gotta... that campiness you mentioned kind of lends itself to it. It has kind of embodied this place for me that no other game has, where it's super cozy to go back to and to be in this town and talk to these people with their Nordic sweaters and stuff mm-hmm. and drinking their coffee and. Just like, I'll oh, sit down, just have a cup of coffee, everything will be okay. Uh, no other game has really done that for me outside of like replaying things like Halo where these alien worlds are beautiful and stuff like that. They don't mm-hmm. feel cozy in the same way yeah. where I can just go back to it and like feel warm, you know? Yeah. I think Remedy has a really masterful look at like capturing a feeling and making you hold on to that feeling the entire time you're playing with the game. Yeah. But also letting you expand. Like, like that 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 hominess and that campiness in Alan Wake I felt the I felt the that amount of unsettlingness in control and the, that was the entire game I'm playing that game there's a yes the, for sure that in, that entire game is just unsettling and that's what they want you to feel and like they're so fucking good at doing that sorry sorry for my language but it's yeah, just, you're, just you're it's absolutely right. that really it just speaks to a lot of their they're just they march to the beat of their own drum and it's a drum that like it it's not for everybody the same way Final Fantasy isn't. But man, like if you're if you're looking for some media to chew on and just how referential it can be and how like interconnected things can be, man, Remedy Games Control was something even special for me. Like I even that year it wasn't my game of the year, but it it still sticks with me to this day. And I played it. That game came out five years ago, four years ago, twenty nineteen. Yeah. So like it'll be five years this year, and that's like. I feel like it's rare to find those games in my brain that like just keep with you, and and that was that was something that I liked too. So I'm I'm excited to try Alan Wake too, but I want to play Alan Wake one first. So I probably will never play sure. it because because I want to finish both, and I never find time. So anyone else have anything to add on Alan Wake two before we move forward? Yeah, that is. Go ahead, Darren. Yeah. You start. All right. Sorry. Uh, that is, Alan Wake Two is definitely my on the top of my list of to play games that came out in twenty twenty three. Uh, ab- above like uh, RE Four remake and Dead Space remake because those two are pretty high up there too. But Alan Wake Two, the more I heard uh, Tony and Corey talking about it, the more I was really drawn in and intrigued by the story. I was so intrigued by it, I looked up gameplay and like specifically non-spoiler gameplay just to kind of see how it was because i was like i really don't want to be spoiled at any of this so i definitely plan on playing it at some point but um yeah just not right now but it looks really good i'm super excited to try it out eventually over to you wes oh uh, yeah just real quick i so alan wake the original the first game was something that me and my friends were like obsessed with uh, when it first came out like, we loved it. We talked about it all the time. And then it just kind of went, like, radio silence on that. We weren't, like, big fans of Remedy um, just because we didn't interact with, with gaming like that. But it, it was gone for so long that when it came back with Alan Wake 2 and it was as successful as it has been, that was just really cool for me to see. 
Um, it made me reminisce on a lot of those memories of the first game. Um, I really, I would really like to to play it. Um, I just similar situation to pray. Like I know I'm gonna have to replay the first one, so it becomes a two game commitment for me. Um, I'll get around to it at some point, but right now Alan Wake Two is unfortunately a casualty of my limited time. But um, I'm just really excited and happy to see all the praise that it's gotten. Usually Absolutely. sequels that are 13 years apart don't do well, but that's crazy. Like, Alan Wake 1 came out in 2010. That's, it's yeah. it's crazy. It's nuts. Remedy's like the A24 of games. Yeah, that's perfect. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I like that. I like that. Yeah. Yeah, dude, you know, I want to play this game at some point too, but I will make sure I jump into Alan Wake 1 and play Quantum Break and Control and whatnot. For I mean, I'll go through the whole journey of it, but it seems like it'll be worth it to build up to Alan Wake 2. And you love to see it. I mean, I feel like at the A24 stuff, Prey, that's that's so on the money because I feel like for a lot of people, like casual gamers, I feel like they would look at something like Remedy and picture that or paint them as like the hipster studio of, yeah, yeah, yeah. of the industry, you know, in that sense. And I like that about them, and I think it's great. And that's the thing. I mean, when you're seeing I, – I forget his name, Corey. You can – uh, tell me about the guy. The yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you. But when he's up on stage during the Game Awards dancing, and you see him in a lot of social media stuff, one it, it reminds me like when this game was really popping off with popularity. I it reminded me how much I love when a game releases, less to do with more being able to play the game, but more because it's a celebration for the studio, and you can see that really show itself. You know, and I love that. I think as far back as like Halo 3 and seeing like a lot of the Bungie employees at some of these launches like Best Buy and stuff. And you just have that brief window where the game is new, where the job is done in a sense. And everyone gets to celebrate it. People are excited to be playing it. The devs are excited for other <laughs> people to be playing it and talking about it. And I just like, I love that point in time when everything coalesces. And to see this game that in a lot of ways, at least in my opinion, had a lot going against it considering, you know, yeah, it's the, the gap between these actual two titles is a long time. Most people aren't going to know of the connections to the aforementioned other two games. So uh, I think that's, I think it was awesome that it succeeded as well as it has um, innovated in a way and uh, also just uh, popped off so close to Baldur's Gate 3. I mean, those two felt so neck and neck, you know, and I mean, it was just really cool to see that game, I wouldn't have expected it to be on that level, on that level. And I really want to play it for that reason. I thought when they showed it off initially, it even looked good before. Like, you know, when you're at that moment when you're watching gameplay of something, like, and you don't quite know. They haven't spelled it out for you what game you're watching. You're just seeing gameplay. Yeah. And that's when you see those exciting moments. Like, people recognized when it was God of War 2018 without them spelling out, this is the God of War game. But I love those moments, and I'm, I'm watching it, and I'm like, what is this? And then you see it, and I'm like, oh, shit. And from my point of view, which I, I say that as someone who uh, hasn't really experienced these games, so I'm a bit in the dark more on than others, but it felt like Alan Wake was popular, and then it kind of, like, the industry itself forgot about it, and then a lot of people came out almost like that cult status type of feel, and were like, no, we love Alan Wake. We want more from Alan Wake. Are we going to get a remaster? Are we going to get a sequel? And I, you started to hear that more and more and more, and it's just it's cool to be at this point. The sequel's out. It did super well, won a lot of awards and yeah, people are having a great time with it. So uh, it's, it's just a great game to be. I'm, I'm happy for that game. That's all. Yeah. That first one sold a hundred thousand copies. So games like that usually don't get sequels and definitely not. That's it. A hundred thousand. Yep. 
Wow, I, I never it has knew that. To be more Corey. Nope, came out the same day as uh, Red Dead Redemption. Oh, that'll, got that'll be destroyed. That'll be. I'm sure Thanks it's had a lot of downloads since. Published by Microsoft. Trey, you were <laughs> you remind me of that Goblin King in uh, uh, the first Hobbit movie. That'll do it. Isn't that what he yeah. says? Brian? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> when the, when Gandalf cuts him. Yeah. Yeah. You guys ready to go on to number two? Yeah. Well, okay. I love, I'll just say I, I love hearing uh, Corey's passion. I mean, and there's those moments in time when you when one of your friends has that game that they've been waiting for, and you just it's not you don't like some people. There's a d- distinction between someone trying to like take possession of something versus someone who's just genuinely excited and kind of, you know, carries that enthusiasm. And, and man, Corey had it. Corey was just yeah. so excited and seeing yeah. that journey was just really cool. Well, yeah. Josh, my, uh, yeah. my enthusiasm going into it was not crazy high. You know, I expected, Oh, it'll be cool to continue this, but I don't expect there's any way I'm going to love it as much as I did this game 13 years ago, because you know, like Wesley was saying, it, it kind of came and went. My enthusiasm died over the years. Mm-hmm. Uh, so for, for it to be able to recapture that and also recapture so much else, like, you know, seeing Sam Lake at the Game Awards, that's that's not just Sam Lake. You know, he also was the capture model in the face of the original Max Payne. That's right. why he's in the new game playing the cop that ties into, because he's written by Alan Wake, and he's also the writer, so the entire Alan Wake franchise is very self-referential. Yeah. Killed it. it they killed it. So cool. I can exceeded <laughs> your expectations. Definitely, yeah. Leaps and bounds. By Love leaps and bounds. Yeah, um, I'd love to see it. Yeah, I, I when I looked at this list of the top five games, there was just one person that I thought will be disappointed because everybody here gets kind of something they wanted except one person. You'll find out once we get done who that is. Um, but uh, so I'm glad to see that uh, Alan Wake was here for for Corey especially uh, and Tony. Oh, I know. I know. Um, moving on to our number two game at 37 votes. Baldur's Gate 3. I'm at the door! <laughs> number two. Excuse you? Damn. Number two. Um, I say it. it's between Josh and Prey. You guys decide who's going to go first. Prey, you can are go we, ahead, buddy. Take your time. Are we going to have a little 30-minute segment, just you and me, bud? <laughs> Let's do it. I mean, I just saw that emoji of Joe go up. That's so cool. That's hilarious. <laughs> I mean, what can I say? It's... I, in in like a 10 second review it's every D player's dream game and the only thing it's missing is a custom game editor to make your own um it's a game that's infatuated me um the only issue the only issue i have with that game is myself because i need time to commit to that game i need four hour sessions like a like an actual D session and I can't give myself that time or grace because I love this game so much. I love being in the world. I love how I get to play my way. I love how there seems to be a never-ending list of things you can do in this game. I'm I haven't even finished this game. That's like and like this is I can confidently say this is within the top 5 games of all time for me. Like and most of those games end up being Halo games and like a couple of other really and God of War games now and like maybe Hades, so this breaks that like into that really easily. Um, I was, I really got into D and D in university, and uh, now it's just something that I I don't I don't have time to do with my friends as much. So mm-hmm. it's it, it really just itches that so well for me and feels so natural and like 
fair and 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 fun. Um, I get to play my favorite class, Rogue, which right now in the middle of the game feels like it's a little bit underpowered, but that's okay because I get to play three other great characters who all have excellent writing. Um, it's definitely a game, like the best open world RPG game I've played since Mass Effect 2 probably. Um, and it's a completely different play style. So it's like, and I recently really got into turn-based on on uh, on game in um, video games. Um, nice. Like, uh, there's this game where you play. I forget what the name of the game is. You play as like a mutated animals, and it's a turn-based game. And I have so much fun with it. Mutant Year Zero, I think it's called. Yeah, I've heard um, of that one. Yeah, I love that game, and it's like it gives me a little bit of that, like those vibes, and 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 just uh, with the D and D spins. And I never played Divinity. Um, as well man um again it's a it's a game that's not for everybody i i i can't re recommend it to everyone you need to be a certain type of player have a certain amount of time um but i also think that it's a game that for almost everyone everyone can find an interesting piece of it it's just you have to look for it and you have to be committed to it um yeah, no, this game gets me, like, so in my feels about it, just because it's like, man, I have not fallen in love with a game in a long time. Like, and this year has been arguably the best year of games ever. Um, and it's just something that I can't get enough of, and I can't wait to finish. And there's, it all, like, literally, I think I was really enjoying the game, but there was this fight in Act 1, that just the music kicked the right way and it just like i cannot stop thinking about it i literally think about it five times a day <laughs> rent free rent for literally and like i'm so happy whenever i'm playing that in my brain and like how great that fight all played out in my brain and and like you get to be a battle commander but also you get to be uh make dumb decisions and 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 the world reacts to you stuff from act one will come back in act three pieces like and it's just like I've I'm 60 hours into the game and I've only finished Act Two. Like, there's not many games that that like story-wise can delve you into that much time if you want to dig. Um, and and it's mm -hmm. something that's made me so incredibly happy. Um, I'm just sad it's not number one, and I am very surprised. But um, also I'm happy that that it's at least on the list and it won everything that it needed to win because it deserves it. Hell yeah, man! The, the game is amazing. Uh, I. I was so excited for this. I've said this time and again, so to skim through it, I mean, I was I was just getting into D&D shortly after Brian's wedding in 2019 with uh, alongside some friends. Like, finally got pulled into it after having seen the D&D the movie in 2000. You know, like, well, a little bit after it came out. And it's horrible, but I love it. It's like a comfort movie. Back in the day before when I had, like, dial-up internet and I had to wait, like, 15 years for a page to load on GameFAQs, I would, like, watch that movie in the background. You know, and it's just something I grew accustomed to. So... I came to love it. Well, on the DVD of it, it had, you know, like a demo for um, one of the Baldur's Gate games. I tried it, and I was like, I don't know what is, what I'm doing. And I wasn't used to games like that. Well, then it had, like, some PDFs or whatever for, like, character sheets for actual tabletop. And I looked at it, and I thought, like, maybe I can get into D&D. But it just looked so daunting, you know, so mathematician-like. And uh, I was like, well, okay, I guess I just, I'm a fan of the movie. That's it. 
and I moved on with my life. And then, yeah, came around to start playing tabletop, and I was like, wow, you know what would be cool? If there was a video game of this, like a real accurate representation. And then around that time, they showed off the reveal trailer for Baldur's Gate 3, and I waited for this game for so long. Not only to see what it looked like, like actual tangible gameplay, but then also just for it to come out and get past the early access. Because I thought, I don't want to play a game, you know, that's uncooked just to give them input. Like, I know there's people that are going to do that. So since there's that audience, I can just take comfort in knowing that they're going to give their input and the game will be much better for it when it gets in my hands. But then I was also like, please come to consoles. Please come to consoles. I don't have a PC, but I'll buy one if I got to, but I don't want to. And then they announced it on PS5 and I was like, whoo! Here I go. I was so excited. And then playing that game, it just became everything I wanted to and more. I'm sitting in the character creation with this ambient background and music playing, and I'm crying because it feels like this dream fully realized. Like, you know, when you're younger, you know, everything kind of comes to you, and you're, you're, the rest of your life is sort of being defined by what you experienced in your childhood, like good things and bad, right? So then you get older, and there's not the, it's not the notion that like, oh, it's all downhill from here. It's just, you, you know, that like a lot of things aren't going to hit as good as they did in your childhood when you were imp more impressionable, but then Baldur's Gate three hits for me, you know? And I'm just like, wow, I'm so glad to be at my age and be able to like have this type of game that feels tailor made for me. And, uh, but, but about the game specifically, I mean, I love turn-based stuff. I know that's not for everybody, but I think it's just that mentality of like having a fondness for something like chess where you can really take your time and strategize and not have it be so real time that you're not like contextually taking in um, what's happening in the moment. You're just like trying to defeat this enemy. And I love being able to strategize and think. I love being able to, you know, make mistakes and then see how that goes. Like maybe like I got one guy in a turn order and then at the, the next four turns are the enemies until it gets back to my my buddies. And I'm, I, I have one chance to do something good here, and I completely botch it. And then I have to go through four turns of, like, clenching my butt cheeks. And just the stre the fun <laughs> stress it creates is so much so much fun. Like, someone – and the accountability is just really cool, and, and the agency, too. I mean, like, someone mentioned, like, having this really tough battle in Act 2, and you're fighting this, like, being that, like, will respawn some of its um, yep, teammates yep, yep. when they die. And I saw someone online that said, I killed one of them. And when it was still, when I still had like movement in my turn, I had one of my characters go and actually pick that body up, and you could pick it up and put it in your inventory, and you become over encumbered. But because that person thought of doing that, that enemy, when it got to their turn, could no longer revive that enemy. And it was just like so cool that you can do that. You have a torch, I mean, you can in your inventory or a candle. You, guess what? You can throw it. You know, you can you can utilize so much stuff that would normally just be junk in you games. You can carry if, a barrel of oil and just. Just chuck it at somebody and burn them alive in the yeah. same turn. If, That's if a very Dungeons and Dragons sounding like yeah, paper, it is what game, it is. You know? Yeah, and if we're playing like co-op, you know, with with me and two other people, I can take one of my friends and literally throw them at the enemy. You know, fastball special style. You know, and it's just so it's so neat for that. And I love, I mean, visually it looks stunning. Um, and and co-op changes from single player. You know, too. Like you know, I could be. Uh, I could be playing with one of you guys, and you guys are in conversation, and then you see my my guy in the background, completely pantsless with his dick out swinging, playing a guitar, you know, basically mm -hmm. a flute, you know. And I mean, it's just it's hilarious the stuff it kind of creates in of itself. But um, even when you're playing through the game itself, and let's say you know, a hundred you know feet ahead, you see a, like three goblins or something, 
you have so many different options on how you want to approach that. And whereas most games of this nature where you have a protagonist you create, like Mass Effect, let's say, or KOTOR, and you have a party with you, what's so neat about this one that it does differently is that if you want to switch to one of your party members that's not you know your created character and go up and have a conversation with those goblins it's not gonna switch you back to your created player like it's done in other games before no you know you get to have that conversation with that character yeah uh, standing yeah. there and it's really nice to see it do that because it really makes it feel like everyone's a main character which is what D D itself at its core is supposed to mean there's not a main character so it's nice it gives you the agency to feel like you have your, your own character with that their own identity but then also these other pre-made characters and if you don't want to create a character you can go through the entire game beginning to end as one of the already made companion characters you can uh you can oh, have this sure. different twist on the yep. story with something called dark urge where they kind of give you your character a slightly different backstory i mean there's wholly different ways to play this it's it's insane yeah like, it really is it really like, is in uh, Go ahead. Sorry, no, no, you go. You, you keep going, Josh. This is your place. Oh, well, thank you. <laughs> uh, but no, I mean, it's it's exciting in that way because every playthrough feels like it's never going to be the same. Like, I've I've heard that statement been made before, and I've felt that when I played those respective games that had that accolade thrown to it. But this really took it to a whole different level because of that, you know? And I love it for that reason. I mean, and they've added a lot of, uh, uh, what do you call it? Uh, slice of life, or not slice of life. Um just just uh, improvements, basically. Quality of over. life. Thank yep. you, thank you. That's what yes, I was looking for. Yes, Quality yes. of life improvements. And like, Wes, I think you were talking recently in the Discord about, like, you get to a point with looking at your character that if the moment you see something you kind of don't like, it starts to, like, bug you, and I'm the exact same way. And, like, they added in one of the first updates for this game, like, a mirror that you can basically go and, and change your, your character and rework them. And another thing that's cool, too, is you eventually, if you find a certain person in the game early on, you will have a chance to hire basically um well they're called hirelings but mm -hmm. they're they don't really have as much a personality they're just that person who you found um as a acting as a vessel in these bodies and you can completely customize those like they're already pre-designed they have a class you know a little bit of a backstory but if you want to completely change how they look and everything, you can do that. I mean, the customization is there plenty, but it's also really simplistic for people who think that all that stuff sounds too daunting. If you're just someone who wants to play through the story, you know, you have the options to have played through a story mode where it's less difficulty. Um, it's much easier to get through, you know, uh, you know, things like potions will heal you more if I'm not mistaken, like, whereas they wouldn't in like a different mode, they wouldn't heal you as much. And the, you can still go. Dice will be lean to you a lot more. Like you'll yeah. always get a high kind of a thing. Yeah, and I mean, you have, you know, going to a party, you know, a camp where you can talk to people and have relationships, whether you want. And, and in here, I will say it's done the best that I've ever personally experienced in a video game because whereas in most games, you have romances in the past that ultimately led up to sex. And then once you clap cheeks, it's like, that's the end. And I hate that, you know, because there's more to romance than just that. This game does that, you know, like it yep. takes you further and you get to, I mean, I felt that a little bit in Inquisition as well, but you get to go to that next step and really have it feel more um it gives it has more weight to it and punch and meaning in these characters the way they speak to you is so much yeah. more um i don't know meaningful and realistic and and just i mean whether you're it doesn't matter what gender you are or what you go by i mean just there's something in here for you a character for you that you'll Absolutely. like or latch onto, and you will 
I mean, have a reason to want to come back and talk to this person more. And it's just, it's fun because of that reason. It's got a lot of colorful characters, colorful enemies split into three acts. So, you know, even though there's always something to do, it never feels too daunting because it's more so that it made, it's made fun and it's well-crafted. Nothing feels like bloat. All the cutscenes with NPCs are treated just as much as the main quests. Like they give them the same level of quality across the board. Um, I know there's been hiccups and stuff, but they've been, Larian's been on the money when it comes to patches, constantly putting out patches to fix things. If something breaks, then they'll fix it, you know, real quickly. So I love the game. One of the best soundtracks I've ever personally experienced. Love the characters. Um, I'm still in Act 2 myself, you know, and it just, it, it sounds ridiculous, but uh, even when I'm away from that game and I, I haven't, you know, I've only chipped away at it. Like lately, I've been watching more movies, but um, it's just fun to think about. I can't wait to go back to that world and, Kind of like I think you said, Corey, with Alan Wake 2, talking about some of those characters, it's comforting to know that I can go back to that game and have these conversations. Yeah. And it's just, um, especially when life gets hard, it's just it's nice to have those sorts of games. Some games I don't want to breeze through. Some games I want to live in. And Baldur's Gate 3 is that game for me. Will you meet me down, down, down by the river? Down, down, down by the river. Ooh, oh, so that theme, the, they play it so well. It's 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 seven notes or eight notes, and it's just, like, in every song in the most subtle of ways, and then whenever mm -hmm. it comes, I'm just like, oh, I get the tingles. Yeah. <laughs> and, and then this, I There's mean, nothing like it. I've not played any game like this. You know? Joshi, I'm not saying I it's swear. the best, but it's 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 uh, interesting. What's up, yeah, buddy? I swear you and me could have talked. We can talk for another hour, and obviously <laughs> with the with the meanings of time, we have to keep going. Um, I need to I need to beat it and then get you on with Brian and I so we can do a uh, that, part that'll, two. To... That'll be something <laughs> special because it's, it's yeah. just – it's – it's something that fulfills that real life fantasy. And like, I mean, how great is it that both a great game about like based in um, the rules of Dungeons and Dragons also comes out the same year as a great movie that was set in the rules of Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. Like, it's like, right. Like it's, it's, it's definitely like Dungeons and Dragons is going to hit such a new popularity spike, I think because of this. And it'll mm. be like very clearly correlated to this year of, of, of this game and this movie. And, and like, yeah, it reignited my love to keep keep going back to it and keep trying to find my new groups and come back and actually play the tabletop games on 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 demand when I can, right? Like, yeah, there's like just as a simple example, like you know, usually in games like Skyrim, open world games, like racial stats are like just stats, but and occasionally they'll have impacts on like some interactions in older open world games. I believe we both played Drow, yes? Yeah. yeah. Oh, in yeah. our main playthroughs. The first act of the game is significantly a completely different story if you are a Drow. And the, specifically the type of Drow that we are. Mm -hmm. Because, like, a lot of the first interactions you have with the enemies in that game will not will be completely fine because um, they won't attack you because you're a Drow outside of like extreme interactions until you until you like show them who you are and then and then they'll actually stop attacking you but it's like yeah. it's like a good hour to two hours of the game gets completely derailed and like skipped if you don't if you're just this race yeah and, and it, like, i go ahead no 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 no. no you go i, I was gonna say you're right i mean i love that and, and for those listening drows like a dark elf it's like a yeah. purple looking elf and and uh yeah i mean i loved how it I love the player accountability for stuff you do. It's on it, it. It does what's been done before, like say in Mass Effect, you talk to somebody on the Citadel and then you run into them again, maybe in Mass Effect Two. But it's on such a deeper level, mm -hmm. evolved, and how that plays out and how you might see that person. 
returning. You know, and I love in D&D, they have like their own Gandalf slash Dumbledore um, mm-hmm. type of guy. And you may or may not briefly see that character. And, uh, you know, he just again. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I love that game top to bottom. And, and for those, you know, on the casual side, the Boulders, uh, Boulders Gate 3 and the D&D movie, like you mentioned, they have a connection and they both take place in the same world, basically, in the Sword mm-hmm. Coast. And even in the film, they mentioned Boulders Gate several times. So yep. there's a connection there. And it, it's just really fun to, like you said, in, in the year 2023, to be able to go see a movie and have fun with D&D and then play the game and, and have that. And they're, they're different, but they're similar, and I love that. So, yeah, to put a nail in the coffin on that one for me, I mean, one of the best games I've ever played. And uh, I don't think it'll ever overtake KOTOR as being my favorite game of all time because that was also an impressionable experience for me. But, I mean, this is right out there. This is like getting to experience that again in a whole different way, and I'm glad I live to see it. I love it. And I'm glad to live here with you, my friend. Hell yeah, brother. Hell yeah. No, that, sorry, we, we really took a, like 15 minutes here. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't want to go anymore, but <laughs> I love uh, you guys. I, yeah, let's, no, I loved I would... it. These dudes love Baldur's Gate 3. They love it. It's, Do... it's something. It's too special for me to even describe. It's a nat 20, 20 on my heart. I love that they let you a nat dice 20 on my that, heart. That's so cool. It's so cool to roll dice in the game. And you're like, oh, fuck, I got a nat one. And sometimes I'm reloading. I'm scum saving. And, yep. you know, oh, last thing, last thing. The player, per- the choice paralysis this game gives you is nuts. I'm talking about, like, oh, no. I went into my game. I know, I know. <laughs> but it, it, but it's in a good way because, like, there's just so many options. You get in there with, like, your created character. That's... And then you're like, shit, I spent, like, three hours like re going back re trying to remake a character and like and i mean you can get a good look at them it doesn't do the classic like and i'm not knocking the og mass effect when i say this but like the character creation looked a little different than when the camera swivels around to your character in the cockpit of the normandy in that initial opening and i would always go back and like i couldn't get a character that i felt sat right with me well i did that several times in this game the first time before the update came out where you could just go to camp and like tweak that stuff but uh, I, the choice paralysis in terms of the characters and what I want to do and stuff and, and I mean it, but it makes it so much fun because of that because you can scum save you can you can be in mid conversation and an important role is up on the screen save your game right there and then when you reload bam you can, you can just do it so you know if you if you're someone that really wants to maximize get the most out of your whole experience you can do that by scum saving and I totally do it but um, yeah. it, it's I, I it's good choice paralysis it's because of just all all what's there you know and it's just overwhelming in the best way so i love it for that you can lose yourself into the choice of the game or you can just fight over and over to get what you want yep and and um i don't know how far you are into act two have you had the tavern brawl in act two yet or not yet okay then we will talk later because i was very proud of how guy how how much i got this one choice but but yeah i'm looking forward to talking to you about that again that was good we had a lot of Starfield love in the Discord late, late last year, and then it was you and I going about Bogus the board. So it was, but it was nice to see. It was nice to see. So, but yeah, game's awesome. Game's awesome, Duke. Does anybody else have anything to add besides these two? <laughs> yeah, I just had a question. How long is the typical playthrough? Mm, Seven, know, sixty-five to seventy hours. Yeah, that, that's probably where a lot of that decision paralysis comes from. At least I can imagine for myself. Yeah. Um, you know, because if you make a bad decision, that's a lot of hours you have to live with it. <clears throat> but also, mm-hmm. I really like that, you know, observing this from afar, I like that the developers encourage scum saving and using that to however you want to play the game. They don't discourage that like most games. And hearing people talk about it, it sounds like people are talking about the tabletop game. Yeah. Yep. 
when you talk this about dice was... rolls and the natural one, like holy yeah. shit, dude! <laughs> they yeah. did. They nailed it. Let you quick save in between cutscenes, so you can even choose the different decision right then. You don't have to replay a lot of it. Yeah, that's great. As long as it's not like a big epic like boss battle, I believe you can just save while a cutscene is going on. And I did that way too often because I had to replay four and a half hours once, and it was like no. Mm. <laughs> well, yeah, pray like you were talking about. Um, you know the impact that this will have in terms of generating new D&D fans post-2023. Mm -hmm. I think that this game is also going to have a big impact on some of those quality of life decisions. Absolutely. Making quick saves available everywhere because you know, as those things become available, as soon as they have it once, people won't stand for it not to be there in other games. Yeah, out of all the games voted for, and like that's the reason I think it won, is it, it actually like pushed the boundaries of gaming itself the same way elden ring won versus god of war it'll always be a thing of like who should have won it's because gaming itself has taken a step forward because of this game like yeah. whether it be through character choices open world gameplay a quality of life um just like uh, the, the game style itself like like it's i don't like putting down like other games it's just some games are built to just be continuations of stories and expansions and, like, not reinvent the wheel, but it's the ones that reinvent the wheel that, in my opinion, stand the test of time. You're right, and though. I mean, it, to do that. Yeah, it's, it's, not, it's just nice to see this genre that uh, isn't doing, uh, not doing as well as it, it once did back in the day, uh, have this game land like it did. You know, even outside of just D&D stuff itself, just to see turn-based, um, you know, like an isometric type of thing give you that like triple a type of experience and kudos to larian for succeeding as well as they have i mean i think they just it was one guy in a room trying to kickstart uh, divinity original sin and now here they are you know with this game with the reputation and he's just you got to imagine you know wizards of the coast uh, who didn't back them for development of this they just they let them not. let them do it uh you got to imagine now they're gonna be like okay we want boulder skate 4 like we gotta, yeah. we gotta well, put this. They, we gotta get this going. Yeah, they 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 have their tail between their legs right now, pretty hard because they were like, yeah. nah, let's let's back the movie, and they were big on the movie, but it was like, nah, this is this is what's gonna really push them, and and hopefully, like, I mean, it's already a two hundred person studio now, I think plus. Mm -hmm. So like, right. hopefully that funding, with all the layoffs, of course, going on in the industry as recently as two days ago, um. I hope they stay, and I hope the quality stays, and 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 all the developers there get get their just due. Hell yeah, hell yeah, man. Anyone else? Uh, or we can move on. Brian. Yeah, sorry we guys, sorry we were, we're, we're... No, no, no. I love I love the enthusiasm. I think you guys did an amazing amazing job uh, talking about the game. I, I just you... want to say real quick. Thanks. Yeah, yeah. I just I just want to say real quick that this this was one of the two games uh, from last year that could have been just gigantic for me, but I didn't have the access. It was it was Baldur's Gate three and Final Fantasy sixteen, and if I had gotten the chance to play those that release, they would have shaken up my my entire year. But um, I did I I had been following the game for a long time. Um, I remember the early access days on Steam. And when I saw that, I just figured, oh, it's it's going to be a PC release only. Um, I guess that's not happening for me. Uh, so I kind of forgot about it for a while. Then I saw the console um, announcement, and I was like, oh, cool. I, I, I am going to get to play it. And then it only released on PlayStation 5 for a while. And so it just kind of took it off the table for me. Um, but, man, I could totally see myself being as excited as both of you are. Um, and I, I will get to it soon, but I'm kind of scared of it because I know it's huge. It's um, yeah. It's it's daunting. It's daunting. 
yeah yeah so so anyway you yeah your, your guys's thoughts and, and inputs are, are awesome it I just it. i think it just depends on how much you want to open the door because like if you're someone yeah. who just wants to open the door a little and just play through you know make a beeline through the main quest type stuff you can definitely do that and maybe like 20 you know, hours i think you can finish the game in like 20 hours if you run through the main quest yeah that sounds game. right Ooh. and if you want to open if the door that, all the way are you doing that brian <laughs> you hear that brian what's uh what's that hours I think it's 20 hours if you beeline on story mode in the main quest. Maybe less. Because, mm. like, if you just don't do any of your side characters stuff, which... Would you be able to beat the combat encounters? Yes. On oh. story mode, the combat encounters will always favor you. So Yeah, that's what I would get, do, 100%. <laughs> you would get higher damage. You would get more critical, critical attacks. I think they'll have even less health. Well, that's awesome. And, like, and their damage won't do it. Like, like, their story mode is really meant to just be, like you are experiencing this you and and it's it's the, the the hardcore players will lean towards that like i want to play this my way and I wanna, and how difficult do i want to feel when i'm playing the game yeah and kudos to them for having the foresight for that for a lot of people who might like the barrier to entry with a turn-based game is not going to be that exciting but yet they want to play this game yeah. well yeah they have that story mode so kudos to them were you yeah. going to say something wesley earlier i'm sorry no 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 i'm good you, you guys okay. did great i just want to make sure yeah, game's amazing. I love the beeline link totally encourages replay value as well. Absolutely, I think yep. so right. too. Yeah, and and like nine different classes. I don't know if you can multi-class in this game. You can, but you can multi-class. So then yeah. there's almost infinite number of playthroughs just because of like how you want to play with multi-classing. Yep, and unlike tabletop, where you can go one to levels one to twenty, and the game is just one through ten, and the premise is just that you get, you know, you waken in a, uh, a room basically with like a tadpole that's been put in your head and you have that you're on like a, a time clock, not actually in the game, but just in terms of a narrative motivation for yeah. your characters. You have this, you know, you're trying to get this out before it basically turns you into an illithid, which is basically yeah. uh, a octopus looking. Yeah. And you find all these other people you tend to find or maybe not, depending on how you play, uh, happen to be in the same situation. So it's like, hey, we're all in this together, and how do we go about that? So it's pretty fun, and how you kind of go about that, um, trying to get rid of that is very interesting, and again, leaves a lot of agency and choice um, because of how vast the game is, but depends on how much you want to open that door. Yep, all the characters will give you different ways to play the game your way, and they'll all become main quests, and you just choose which one you want, or you can do all of them even, and just find the depths of the mysteries. Yeah, and, and one last thing I'll say, I'm sorry, <laughs> we yeah, gotta yeah, move on, we gotta move on, but uh, one last thing that I really love about this too is there, there's a lot of different spells and stuff you can get, and, and it might seem daunting, but there's ones like Animal Friendship and like Speak with the Dead, and if you have, for example, you can come across a corpse that if you have this spell or something that allows you to do this and you cast it on that the specific corpse, you'll raise it from the dead briefly to be able to ask it three questions. And if you don't have that spell, if no one in your party has it, then you can't do that and you miss that. But if you do have it, yeah, you can explore that and maybe get a little bit more juice on the plot of what's going mm -hmm. on maybe in an area. Or if you, for example, if you have the animal companion thing, uh, I forget what it's, speak with animals is the spell yeah. name. Yeah. You can actually, when you talk to animals, they'll speak English back to you. Whereas if you don't There's have it, they're just going to bark and purr and, and roar and stuff like that. And you'll have to kind of, and the dialogue is completely different uh, depending on whether you have those sorts of things activated. So again, changes how you, how you play that stuff. I went in this one area that seemed like shrouded and um, I was discovering all these apples that had been bitten into 
um, that were like poisonous and there were some corpses around and stuff. And I was like, oh, something happened here, you know, and I was able to, you know, find a body that I could speak to that kind of helped shed some light on what was going on as I started to unravel the eerie mystery that had been building as I was getting further and further into that area. So that's it. That's all I'm going to say. Yep. It's just an amazing yep. game. I love it. You can turn yourself into a fart cloud and go between cracks if you want. <laughs> yeah. Like the like turn to ethereal spirit or something is like mm -hmm. you'll just become a, a gas cloud, and you just you can slip between cracks and find new areas, and the lore is not daunting. That is my final statement. The lore is not daunting. Every piece of lore you find is like less than a page of reading, and it does yep. so much impact. Let's 100%. move on, or else this is not going to stop. Yeah, sorry guys. Sorry. Sorry everyone. Um, no, guys, it's, uh, obviously it's pretty much the biggest game of the year and, and I, I knew you guys would be passionate about it and then you guys definitely covered a good swath of what makes this game so special. Um, are you guys, fun, right? that was fun. Are you yeah, guys ready really to, to hear what the number one game is? What do you guys think it is? Armored Core 4. Take a guess, I'm everyone. With, I'm going with Starfield. I think we Pizza all know what I'm going to guess Tears oh, of the Kingdom. Oh, that, that fucking game. I forgot. Sorry. What do you, what do you think, Wesley? <laughs> Uh, Starfield probably. What do you What do you no. think, Colin? I think Starfield. 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 What do Nester. you think? What do you think, Ouija? Oh uh, man, yeah, it's Mario Wonder. Starfield. The number one Sacred Icon game, the game of the year, with forty three votes, is Starfield. Oh boy! Nice. Um, All right. <laughs> Colin, do you want to take this? Uh, I think you are the one who has this highest on your list of games. Um, what do you have to say about Starfield, Colin? I do. I mean, I know this game isn't for everybody. I I absolutely fell in love with it. Um, every all the passion that that uh, that Prey and Josh have for Baldur's Gate, I have that for Starfield. Um, after playing it, after beating it, like right away, it went up to number nine, and then I stepped away for a little bit. And I always find myself going back to it. Like it's one of those games where, hey, I don't feel like starting a new game. So I'm just going to go to play Starfield. I'm going to go run around different planets and punch aliens to death. And I love doing that. And um, the game lets me do it. And I have so much fun. Um, it moved up to number three overall for me. And it still has potential to move up. Um, it's just, I. I, I'm not a fan of of Skyrim per se. I, I started a new game on it, um, and then I fell off of it. But Starfield, um, I don't know if it was circumstance. I don't know if part of it was contributed by just being in the server and getting the hype for it that everybody had for it. Uh, but it, it hit all the right notes for me. Um, I don't really like companions that much in games, so I didn't really use the companions. I know people found them dry anyway, but... Um, uh, I tried mostly left them at the ship and I got annoyed when they would follow me. Um, it was just, I, I didn't really like the Starborn powers anyway. I liked getting um, boots on the ground and my favorite of all mis favorite mission was the UC mission. And that was one of my, it was, it was, a, it was so good. I thought it could be a, a single player first person shooter campaign on its own. Um, I thought it was that good. Yes, it was heavily inspired by a lot of stuff, but it wasn't necessarily, with Starfield, it wasn't necessarily like it was innovative or anything. It was that it brought all of these great sci-fi things together. 
like UC felt like aliens and it felt like Starship Troopers. And I loved being able to experience that and different aspects like the pirate. I like being able to run the Crimson Fleet. I, I loved killing that guy in the Crimson Fleet. I'm not going to say his name because I don't get spoilers, but it was, uh, it was just, it just hit so hard for me. Um, I, I, I don't know if there's anything else I can say about it, but it. I mean, Wesley, it, you can help him out here. I mean, you're, you were probably the second biggest fan in here, I believe, of Starfield. So. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I definitely have plenty to say about Starfield. I, I'm going to, I'm going to sound a little bit like Brian for a sec. Um, after you finished it, but, but here we go. I, I do love Starfield. I, I really, really love Starfield, and I, I don't mean that just to placate. Um, I think I see it differently now than I did when I finished it, which is, is not unusual. Um, I'm, like, normally really high on a game while I'm playing it, and it takes me some time to, like... It starts when I sit down to write the review, and then from that point, um, that's when I can kind of see it more clearly... And I, I do still love it. I mean, I spend I spend over two hundred hours in my first playthrough of Starfield. Um, it, it's it's not perfect, and like I was saying earlier, there are two other games from twenty twenty three that if I had had the chance to play them, that that shakes things up for me. I mean, obviously, I don't know for sure right now because I haven't played them, but I, I don't knowing myself, I don't see how um, I don't see how Final Fantasy 16 and Baldur's Gate 3 don't seriously give it some competition uh, for, for my number one game of 2023. Um, so I'm a little sad that I missed out on, on comparing them um, in their release year. But yeah, I, I mean, I'm a big um, Bethesda Game Studio fan. Um, that doesn't mean I have to like Starfield. I, I, I do like it, but it's it's more like with 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 BGS, um, they made my favorite franchise of all time in the Elder Scrolls. Um, so I will always love them for that. And then I really like all of their other games. So I think for me, um, they are my favorite game studio because they made my favorite franchise, and because I just think they're um, very reliably. Um, they make they they are very reliable um, with. I mean, at least how much I enjoy their games. Um, so, I mean, Starfield does sit pretty high for me right now. Um, and, and and just two things. They, the, the choice to not include aliens and the choice for the game to be, like, relatively empty feeling were both on purpose. They were, they were design choices. And that has had varying degrees of success in the eyes of, of players, but... I respect them for doing that, and it, it worked for me. Uh, um, I would really like to see them have more more points of interest. Like, it's nice that the points of interest they do have are more detailed than the ones they've had in previous games, but there's so few of them. You'll, you'll come across the same three or four all the time. And it just, it, at that point, it makes the game feel really like unintentionally like a roguelite even though there are some intentional roguelite elements later on um so starfield is a, is a game that i'm excited about i'm excited about its future i'd like to see them do more with it um i don't think 
it is the best example of a triple a game in 2023 um but it's still my it's still my favorite one as far as all the ones that i've played so far so um i mean that's that's where i'm at with starfield at this point i think who else in here has played starfield josh you played some you played it that's right Corey. what do you what did you think of starfield yeah i played it to the end um think it would make my top 10 this year uh in terms of rpgs definitely limited compared to some of the others we talked about this year in terms of bethesda games it's equal or subpar to others just because of the disjointedness the constant loading screens how your cockpit is really just a map screen a fancy map screen with unskippable animations at that and yeah like uh, Colin mentioned a lot of the side characters really dry I don't see much of a future for this game because of the structure that I'm not going to spoil here but it also doesn't strike me as a franchise with a whole lot of sequel potential uh, and if if there is a sequel to it there would have to be major major changes to the structure just based on feedback they couldn't get away with doing this again the way something like tears of the kingdom could releasing very similar to the last game that they were just building on top of i don't think bethesda has the track to get away with that again um but if the gameplay does strike whoever's playing it then there is so much of it there to like continue to come back to over and over um, so I I enjoyed my time with it, but it did fall short, short in terms of stated innovation and, you know, the masterminds behind some of the biggest RPGs ever did not hit my expectations. Yeah, I mean, to, to focus on more of the positive elements since we've kind of gotten into, which I think we should touch on both, but since we've gotten into the negative stuff more often, um, I like Starfield a lot. I had a lot of fun with it. Um, it's one of my favorite games last year. Not my favorite, but one of them. Um, I, I gave it like an 8 out of 10. It When it came out, I was pretty addicted to it. Like, I couldn't put it down. I wanted to play it hours on hours and hours and end a day. Um, despite any shortcomings, the, the ability to go to a planet, pick up quests, talk to NPCs, fool around, then get back in my ship, go somewhere else, do the same thing on another planet, and then I'd run into something, and then i get thrown off course, and then someone in space would hail me, and there'd be a little side quest there. Um, all that stuff just kind of got me, like, overwhelmed in an exciting way. Um, I, then I started working on building my ship, and then that that was another thing. Like, oh, I need more money, I need more parts, and I get, I'm getting weapons, and I'm doing companion quests. And, like, there was a good solid 30 to 40 hours where I was just absolutely entrenched in the game, enjoying the heck out of it um i do think it's a genuinely good game i think it's a lot of fun um i think uh you know coming from bethesda with you know elder scrolls and fallout for me personally starfield feels like clearly the weakest uh ip slash game of their portfolio um but it was exciting to see them do something new and not just another fallout or another scrolls and i mean um I mean, the, the the combat was better than it's ever been in a Bethesda game. The aesthetics of, like, the NASA punk I thought were sublime. I absolutely love the NASA punk look. Um, I had a lot of fun with it. I mean, I think what's I think what the, the problem, for me at least, is with just focusing on the positive and not the negative is that 
ultimately once the game was said and done and I walked away from it, it just, to me personally, ended up being kind of forgettable. Um, it, it was just something that, uh, it was a lot of fun, but it was, it was like the other Bethesda games I played, but not nearly as special or as good. Um, and also space isn't my favorite uh, setting. So, you know, with time away from it, you know, I, I do tend to reflect on the negative more, but there's a really good game here. And I think, I think what the problem is too, is like some of the design decisions really split the player base on this game because you get some people who play Starfield and they go, this is a 10 out of 10. This is my game of the year. And then you get some people who go, man, I don't even know if this is a five. This is a really poor game. And the, the opposite person to each of those opinions will be like, what in the world is wrong with you? But like, I think for, for people who, especially are huge Bethesda fans in general, who are able to give it time and get deep into the systems, this really has a gaminess that comes out that makes it a lot of fun and a lot of joy. Uh, but then I think for other people who maybe just passively like Bethesda games, or maybe they only like Skyrim, or maybe they don't play Bethesda games at all, but they just get Starfield because it's a space game, and they start it out and they realize how slow it is, how broken up it is by you know planet to loading screen to ship to... You know, having all these different mechanics of, of weapons and your, your ship, I think for someone who just, you know, is kind of maybe more in general approaches it, it can feel like you can play several hours and really not get a grasp of the game or, or really get hooked. It doesn't really get its hooks in you very quickly. It's kind of slow, which I think leads people to just kind of think like, man, I heard a lot of people say like, I played five hours and I quit. Well, that's fair that if you're not having any fun in five hours, I understand why you quit, but at the same time, if you got to 10 or 15, you'd probably have a lot more fun. But that's that's a problem on Starfield's part. So I, I think it was just a, a more divisive game than Bethesda's ever put out. And I think it's also a game that leans very heavily on the systems and the elements of things they've done for 10, 15 years. Um, so there's just a lot of baggage that comes with Starfield. But I think if the baggage either doesn't bother you or you don't notice it, uh, you could end up having a game of the year experience here. And I, I get why this is the sacred icon game of the year because so many people in our Discord played it. So many people liked it. Um, it, it turned up on a lot of people's lists when they sent me their votes in. Uh, there's a lot of, you know, number one spots, which gave it a five. But then there's a lot of, like, number four or five spots, too, which which gave it only, like, one or two points. But the thing is, so many people in our Discord played it that those points added up. Also, you know, Sacred Icon started as a, as a Halo podcast, very Xbox-heavy centric, and this was kind of like the biggest IP since Halo to come to Xbox. So it makes a lot of sense. It's a good game. I enjoyed it. I'm glad it exists. Uh, obviously, it's not my favorite. I wouldn't have put it at the top, but um, yeah, it's, it's great. Corey, did you want to say something? Uh, oh, sure. I thought, um, I, thought, I thought I saw you trying to beep in on me there. Oh, so. oh I, I muted the cough there for a second. Oh, but. okay. Um, I do think that um, what is there is really, um, I don't know, like it's foundational, right? It's so Bethesda. I'm, I'm one of those people who has been both the 5 out of 10, what the fuck is this? I, you know, how do you play this? And also 10 out of 10 with Bethesda games. Mm -hmm. um, and for me, this one really kind of landed somewhere in the middle. So it's interesting to see how it landed for other people. And the fact that this is kind of an Xbox heavy community, yeah. it does make a lot of sense that so many people tried that. And if nothing else, like to me, the, the feedback off of this is going to lead to lessons learned, you know, for yeah. elder scrolls six or whatever, whatever they happen to do in the future. And 
I don't know, Bethesda is such a monumental studio and everyone pays so much attention to what they do that it's always, regardless of my own personal take, it is always fascinating to me to see how their games land, you know, because they've fallen on times where they get really bad reception, but then they build those things up, like Fallout 76, you know, they build them up into what some people would call yeah. game of the life. So, yeah, yeah, that's kind of that's kind of where I'm at. Josh, did you have thoughts on Starfield from what you played? Yeah, three quick things. One, uh, Nestor and Darren, I got to hear before we get out of here what your guys' favorite game of the year was because I feel like everyone else has already had a game more or less mentioned. No, I think I, Darren I wanna... had his. I think the only one left yeah, out is, is Ouija. It's just Ouija. Oh, okay. Well, I definitely want to. I definitely want to hear because I, I haven't gotten to hear Nestor's. That's what I said. I felt bad. I felt bad for uh, one person in this Discord, and that I can now reveal it was Ouija because there's no none <laughs> of his uh, games are here. Yeah, oh, no, but I, the, the the one funny Nintendo man that decided to join the Xbox community. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're better for and it. I want to know. We're so much better for you being here, man. And I'll tell uh, you what, real quick before I pass it back to Josh, uh, Ouija, the runner-up, the one game that didn't make it in, the number six spot was Tears of the Kingdom. Uh, it missed. Oh, it missed by two points to start to Spider-Man Two. So Which is my game of the year when it came out. I played it. I was like, this is de facto. Nothing could possibly top this. And then Alan Wake came out later. Yep. Uh, and other yeah. games that I that you're I even telling... get to play, but like it's so good. It's so good. <laughs> you're, you're telling me, Brian, the vote, the number one vote you gave that Wesley gave, bumped Choose the Kingdom out of our top five. Uh, Oops. Rolling tomato, Wesley. <laughs> well, I mean, it, you could you could choose Wes, but any one person, I don't think it really matters who you know. It's okay. Can, it yeah. can be. No, me. it's his fault. I'm yeah. <laughs> I was just making nah. one because yeah, because I'm just I'm just playing. Yeah, I know. I, no, that's not I'm, good. I mean, I'm, I mean, hell, T Tears wasn't even my game of the year to be honest. It was Wonder, right? Yeah, it was yeah. Wonder, followed very very closely by Pikmin Four. Well, once we get once we get done talking about um, or yeah, what, let, talking that. about this, I'll, I'll go over some of the stats. But go ahead, Josh. Yeah, the second thing I just wanted to say was you know. I can see why Corey loved it. It matches, you know, he's our first-person shooter guy in the Discord. This guy loves first-person shooters. But then also, you know, you're taking this sci-fi, RPG, and all these elements and kind of smash them together. And it was really cool to see his enthusiasm. And I love, for Wesley, I thought, this is the big Elder Scrolls guy in the Discord. And this is, like, the, a new their new Pandora's box. So how cool is that? And that ultimately, for number three, I mean, that was that was my favorite aspect of this. I mean, look, I played, like, four hours of it just because between the early access releases i had Baldur's gate 3 coming out like a, the next day so i jumped into that that was the main one of the two i wanted to play primarily but it was so exciting in the discord you already kind of mentioned it brian to be a part of the discord at that time yeah. because we hadn't uh we had not seen the discord popping off like we had since maybe halo infinite back in that halo era so it was really cool to see so many people excited for this game just like you say Corey, for being you know more xbox uh driven so it was just really fun to see people so excited for this and you know after you know redfall kind of came out and had some of the reception it did despite still redfall. having its fans <laughs> i had to shout it out for you but then but then you had starfield that was like the one that was like okay please you know like please uh, we want this to to land for xbox we've been waiting you know and it felt i felt like it did more than it didn't you know and i i think i'll have you know mixed takes whenever i play it i'm sure but um more importantly i just i it felt like it was it, it still stuck the landing for xbox and i know for some people it was underwhelming but uh it, it still came out it was still a game you know it's, it was done and uh it was just cool to see people so excited for this I, I who was it brian that sang their version of rocket man was it albino who who was it that sent uh, that clip 
Was it all? Blind? I want to shout you out. I just can't remember. That was so awesome, it. though. But it was great. But yeah. yeah, it just felt like it felt like that calm before the storm moment. Before well, Josh, a big game race. I, I think you touched on something I, I really feel should be shouted out there more. Um, Starfield had an incredible uh, preview at E3. It had incredible hype, and when the game released, it released content complete, not buggy, and relatively polished. So I mean. I think uh, combine all that with the people that did love it and the huge sales and player numbers through Game Pass, this is mm-hmm. a huge success and a great game. And honestly, if this game had come out in a, in a year that wasn't so jam-packed with epics, it probably would have been in the Game of the Year nominees at the Game Awards. It, it didn't get a nominee, but, I mean, there was so much competition. So. Mm-hmm. No, yeah. Awesome. Awesome game, though. And I love what it I love what it brought the Discord and the excitement it had for yeah, everybody. It was, definitely... it was really cool. It was like... Everyone was up in the skies playing Starfield. Prey and I were down below taking care of the ground, you know, and it was just really, really fun, wholesome moment in the Discord of people just being excited. It's fitting. To see that. It's fitting that it's Sacred Icons Game of the Year. You know, it really is. Yeah. So. yeah, absolutely. Anything else anyone wants to say about Starfield? I didn't hear anybody in the Discord, you know, talking about right after launch. Uh, nobody was like, fuck this game. This is trash, you know, yeah. talking yeah. about how a lot of those Bethesda games can be kind of unapproachable. This one with the first-person shooter, you know, built into it, kind of made it a lot more approachable and kind of mirrored gameplay of Cyberpunk in a way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, like no one was tore up about this game being bad, you know, which was nice and refreshing. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's a huge win to be a first-party exclusive for Xbox and day one on Game Pass. I mean, this game is a success. I don't think if I had to wager based on nothing, but I think that Todd Howard and the team are more happy and proud than they are sad and depressed. That's how I feel, but I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, anybody else want to touch on that or I'll go over some stats and then we'll, we'll get out of here. This was a game that I will play on game pass. (laughs) Nice. Maybe. Nice. I'll probably play it eventually. Yeah. Same here. I think we, that'll contribute to their numbers. Yeah. I think that, uh, our list is pretty good for like sacred icons, top five. Um, I, really oh, think, I think the I only agree. thing it really missed out on was, was having a Nintendo thing there. And that's not even just for Ouija. It's, I love tears of the kingdom. Corey loved tears of the kingdom. Um, wonder was great. I know that call uh, loved wonder. Nestor was the reason I like had my come to Jesus moment with Nintendo. So, I mean, between the movie and just the games coming out, I was riding his enthusiasm the whole way, man. So absolutely. Amen. It was a good fucking year. Yeah, yeah, it was well, great. I, it was a great year. Um, so yeah, so the the final tally here is that uh, uh, number five was Spider Man Two with twenty four votes. Number four was Final Fantasy sixteen with twenty seven votes. Number three was a tie between Jedi Survivor and Alan Wake Two with thirty three votes. Number two was Baldur's Gate Three with thirty seven votes, and number one was Starfield with forty three votes. Uh, runner up was at number six would have been Zelda Tears of the Kingdom at twenty two votes, just barely lost uh, to Spider Man Two. Um, some other random ga- uh, facts I'll throw at you. Uh, there was only one person voted for Cocoon. Only one person voted for Sea of Stars. Only one person voted for Lies of P. Only one person voted for Avatar. Only one person voted for Hi-Fi Rush. Um, we had four people vote for Phantom Liberty. Um, we had five people vote for Armored Core. Um, one you, One person, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, one person voted for Super Mario RPG. Two people voted for Assassin's Creed Mirage. 
Uh, Super Mario Wonder made a lot of people's lists, but it, on everybody's list, it was literally number four on every single person's list. It, it was on six people's lists at number four for all of them. Wow. Um, yeah, uh, Diablo 4 had three people vote for it. Dead Space had four people uh, Pikmin was just Ouija, <laughs> uh, voted for that. Uh, Hogwarts, Shout out to Nestor, though. Uh, Hogwarts Legacy had five people vote for it. Um, Resident Evil that 4. Came out last year? Which, which game? Hogwarts Legacy? This is just crazy. Yeah, it's yeah just early, nuts. early. It's just a big nuts. year. Yeah. Nuts. Absolutely. That was February, I believe. Uh, Resident Evil 4 had, looks like, seven people vote for it. And that pretty much sums up uh, where we were at on that. Um, I, for, a, for a minute, Jedi Survivor and Alan Wake 2 were not going to be tied, but somebody literally messaged me and said, hey, can I change my vote? And I said, sure, and they changed it, and that made them tie it up. So Was that me? Yeah, I, I voted for Marble It Up Ultra. Best role-playing game ever. That, that vote would be there, too. There was, a couple, there was a couple votes that came in so late where I'd already tallied things, and I was like, and it, it would have been Marble It Up Ultra also, Corey, where I was like, well, this will not change the scale, so I don't think I wrote it down. <laughs> uh, but uh, same for a lot of these. So, um, but yeah. Uh, did I Nestor, I got to hear you talk. Man, your game, your wonder. Tell me, tell me about yeah. Super Mario Wonder, man. Shit, baby, you want to hear about Super Mario Wonder? You know, you know. <laughs> oh. <laughs> no, man, it, it's just... um. I'd say, like, front to back, it took me, like, 15 hours to, like, really 100% it. I think I'm at, like, 30 hours total played just because whenever anybody comes over to visit, I'm like, yo, you guys want to play Mario Wonder? And I'll just run through the first opening levels with them, um, playing as Yoshi, letting them ride on my back as they, like, chuck fireballs. It's, uh, And that's, like, without even getting into, like, just all the super cool and unique uh, level designs. Like, every level is different. Like... To put it in perspective, like, Boos, for example, are some of the most popular Mario enemies. You literally only get them for, like, one level. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's different. Yeah. That new art so, style, so... right, Ouija? Yeah. Oh, God, the new art style. That's the thing, man. This whole thing, top to bottom, was like, okay, they've been doing new style Super Mario Bros. for, like, almost ten years. We've had two Mario Maker games. Like, what can Nintendo possibly do to, you know, breathe some life back into 2D Mario? And man, that's just good. It just goes to show why you never doubt them, because uh, you know they're that they're, they're the reason they're working at Nintendo, and I don't. All right, they got all the cool ideas. <laughs> um, yeah, I think uh, development process. They literally went about. They ran around to everybody, and I mean like people that were level designers, people that were artists, people that were on the music team. Everybody submitted ideas for like what what to do for every level of this game and i think it, it, you know just that round table approach to their game design on top of like them really not having like a deadline um or like just any need to like rush this project i mean super mario Bron super mario wonder is fucking wonderful man <laughs> that's all i gotta say well it's cool to hear too because i mean you had the the bonus just like you know prey and i are talking about you know the D D movie and Baldur's gate 3 but then you also had the Super Mario Bros. movie on top of the games that were coming out. And it's like, it's exciting. It was exciting for that to see you in that uh, Club Nintendo channel just popping off. I still remember that brief video of you like walking into the actual, you know, screening and just how excited you were and you were dressed up, you know, and your Luigi gear and stuff. It was just so cool to see, man. And, you know, I think, I mean, on the movie side, I think, or even TV side, just video game adaptations are on the up, I think, across the board, it feels like lately. 
and uh, you know you look at last of us on the television side and stuff maybe not maybe not that show you know but uh you know in the other areas i think this stuff is is going up and it's just really fun you know i remember being young when mortal kombat came out in 95 and you had the mortal kombat games to play so that was really fun you know you go see the movie and then if you want to still live in that world you got the games and it felt like this or whichever way you kind of look at that you know whichever one's your your main go but uh it felt fun to have that with Dungeons and Dragons and, and to see that with Super Mario. It was really cool. So one, that's one, awesome, man. One last yeah, question nah. for the whole group. Well, go ahead. Go ahead, Ouija. No, no, no. I was, I was just going to say, like, yeah, we, you know, whether or not any of the stuff that I cared about made it on this list, like, we ate pretty freaking good last year. Absolutely. In general, mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, I, I ain't complaining. No, absolutely. Yeah, it was it was an amazing year. It's it's if we had a you know a list of ten, we would have had five other bangers on this list. So, um, the mm-hmm. last question I have for you guys, I'll start with Corey and go around. Is uh, it's, it's I guess it's a two part question. Do you think twenty twenty four or twenty twenty three will be more your year? And what is the game you're most looking forward to in twenty twenty four? I'll go over to Corey first. Yeah, it's going to be hard to top twenty twenty three, and so far. There's a lot of new IP coming this year, which is really exciting. And those things could absolutely blow up and become new mainstays, you know, new 10 out of 10 experiences. But I don't expect it to happen just because we ate so good last year and these things tend to be cyclical and take a while to happen again. Uh, But my most anticipated game is the Silent Hill 2 remake. Nice. And seeing whether or not Mm. that's going to be good. Uh, seeing if Konami can actually handle this franchise properly and, and what do they do after 12 years at this point of dormancy kind of like Alan Wake 2 you know 13 years of dormancy um, I hope it's good yeah uh, Darren what uh, what year do you think is going to be more for you 23 or 24 and what are you most anticipating this year I, I really don't think that 24 can top last year I only played Jedi Survivor but I have a big list of games that I want to play from last yeah. year I can't even really think of a game. I mean, if you what what are some games that are coming up this year? I I just can't really remember. Oh, I mean, there's I don't anything have any big ones. There's anything from from Suicide Squad, uh, Final Fantasy VII Rebirth, to Indiana Jones, um the Dark Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember. Yeah, Indiana Star Wars Jones Outlaws. I'm looking, I'm looking Potentially. forward to that. Oh, if Outlaws does come out this year, I'll I'll definitely pick it up and try it out. Um mm-hmm. not super excited for it. I just haven't really paid much attention to it. It's a Star Wars IP. I, I'm gonna, of course I'm going to probably enjoy it sure. uh dark forces remastered i'll probably pick up day one there you go there you go colin hell just yeah I, I really like that old like the doom style yep. and it's in star wars mm-hmm, just, mm-hmm. just so cool so unique um yeah i mean i don't think it can top last year there's so many bangers i think there's lots of good games coming out this year but i just won't i don't think it compares totally totally uh ouija over to you i think uh 23 man that's not gonna get top for a minute uh just like on top of like finally getting pikmin 4 uh mario wonder tears of the kingdom uh i got to play and fall in love with cyberpunk and its dlc yeah uh i will eventually get to Baldur's gate i just know that's gonna take up all my time so (laughs) um but as far as like what i'm looking forward to next year uh i'd say probably number one is that paper mario thousand year door remake very nice yeah i love that game (laughs) That'll be day one for me. Day one for me. Oh, fuck. Oh, fuck. You know, and of course, some Luigi's Mansion 2 remake. Yeah. Um, But, you know, I'm kind of glad. It seems like it's going to be a bit of a slower year. Yep, I feel that. Josh, over to you. 
that was perfectly said. I'll pick it back off that. I love that this is like the down, the down, the cool down year. I feel like off of 2023. So I'm excited for that. It's going to be hard to top Baldur's Gate three for me personally. There were a lot of games that came out last year. A couple I actually played. The rest it was, I was sort of like a voyeur and just seeing other people's takes and experiences and like window shopping in that sense. But there was a lot of good window shopping. I, I had a good time with that. But this year, uh, you know, it's so early to tell that you just don't know what's what's going to take shape on top of what's already been announced. But if Outlaws and Indiana Jones manage to land, then uh, I mean, I could see that competing for me in terms of just quality overall. Um, like other than just, like Baldur's Gate was the the home run for me, the meatball out of the park, you know, experience. Mm-hmm. But uh, this year has a chance to be a change up right down the middle for me. And I mean, I'm like, I'm really excited for that. Outlaws looks awesome. If it hits, I, I still don't really expect it to make it this year. So my expectations are set low so I can only be excited, I guess. But uh, I mean, I want a Star Wars RPG. It's been a long time and I want that Indiana Jones game. I am so happy to see that land the way it looks. And, you know, even though I celebrate every um, brand, you know, between Xbox, Sony and uh, Nintendo, I love that uh, Xbox just seems to be on the up, you know, and it's really nice to see that Dev Direct give them good momentum in terms of setting expectations of like, yeah, all this stuff is supposed to come out this year. So look forward to that. That's pretty cool to see that in January and, and uh, have, again, something to look forward to. But yeah, I mean, that's pretty much it. I, I'm excited for this year regardless, and it's always possible it could overtake, but, you know, I'll just, like that Bond movie, never say never again, baby. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Over to you, Prey. Yeah, 2023, I don't know if it'll be topped for a long time. Um, 2024 is a bottom. Yeah, top <laughs> bottom maybe. But I don't know. I Like everyone else, I think I just have a huge backlog. And I really want to try to make this year like a retrospective year for me. Because, man, there's a lot of experiences I just don't play. And, like, you know, Hellblade is a huge one that I want to try. Um, I actually just installed it while we were talking, so that was something that I'm really excited to try. Short, too. Um, Yeah, and uh, Cyberpunk, like, like, uh, Nestor's bringing up uh, Cyberpunk. I haven't even touched it, so next sale that it comes, I'll probably get the Game of the Year edition. Nice. Hopefully, if the finances are looking okay. Um, There's just too many games right now, and... It's hard for me to even think that it can be topped uh, for a long time. Also, I mean, I know we're this is all 2023 in a joyous time, but like with how many layoffs that have been on, it, it, it makes my brain feel a lot more worried about game releases this year. Um, mm-hmm. Especially, I know the ones that we have, the ones are the ones that we have, like Hellblade and maybe Indiana Jones and like maybe, but like those games are things where I'm like, yeah, they're in the pipelines, but we don't know how far these layoffs are going to go, which gives me hope for Outlaws, because Ubisoft has not allowed, announced any layoffs yet. Um, but, you know, it's just a rough time in the industry too, that there's a lot of restructuring going on. Um, so, I'm hoping this year, uh, if not for me, I hope like the people who actually make these games have a good year, because it's just a really rough rough time right now. Mm-hmm. For games mm-hmm. that I'm looking forward to, it's... Um, it got delayed um, from 2023. It was supposed to launch. It was Hades 2. If Hades 2 had released, yes. I I would have fully nutted nonstop this year because it's just like, <laughs> like, hey, like, amen, buddy. Like you can't release like like 
I remember the day E3 came out and I saw the Jedi Survivor trailer and the Hades 2 trailer in the same conference and I was I was dying on the floor for a bit. I was like this this can't be real. Like you can't release two of my favorite favorite games in the same year and then you added Baldur's Gate on top of that like three of my top 3 games ever uh would have been in the same year but hoping for a safe launch for that but it, it is coming on early access so I kind of might want to wait wait for that too for the full release. Um, the only other game I'm thinking of is Star Wars Outlaws. Just anything Star Wars for me right now is just tap that shit into my veins because, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like, I'm we we have this discussion a lot in the Discord. It's just I'm on such a high with Star Wars. I'm I'm like refining this love and and it's it's hitting so much on my end. And Outlaws is just another one of those things that I'm just like, once I'm in the world, it will not uh, feel the same. Like mm-hmm. it'll it'll it will oh, yeah. feel like other games. Like it'll be like, yep, I'm in Star Wars. We're going. I'm consumed. So those are my two games I'm really looking forward to this year. Yeah, that's what I've... Fallen Order and Survivor did for me. I was kind of on a low after some of the shows. Just they didn't really hit it for me, and then played those games, and it just is immediately back in like full swing. Like, yeah, I love this. That's so cool to hear, though. That's so cool to hear. I love. I always feel like the like if someone gets burned out or desensitized or turned off of some aspect of Star Wars, there's usually something to love about it right around the corner. Mm-hmm. It's good. It's a good feeling. I just have to say real quick too. Uh, I mean, how amazing was it all the more that last year was as good as it was for games? You know, when you look at, like, the Xbox One and PS4 generation came out in 2013, ended in 2020, in a sense, you know, and we're four years almost by the end of this year into this generation, and it did not feel like we were getting, like, a lot of games because of all the COVID pandemic stuff, but last year was like, you want games? Here we go, and it just, like, shoved it down my throat, so... I was I was gagging, you know. The you reflex. want this, you little bitch. You want it. You want it. You want another anyway. one, little bitch. You want that one. You can have. Over to you, Corey. I just, Colin, to add, I just oh, wanted to add. I just wanted to add real quick to what Prey said. Um, this coming year, you know, seeing like a lot of layoffs in a lot of different areas, especially uh, when you've got certain businesses buying up all the developers and then deciding at once this is a bad decision, laying off half of them kind of puts me or it it reminds me of how it felt when the COVID delays started happening and realizing like, Oh, it's going to be slow for a while. So we need to start building up some backlogs with some older games on sale that we've been meaning to get to. Um, And so talking about this year being kind of a retrospective year makes perfect sense to me. I like it. Yeah. Over to you. um, Colin. uh, Colin. Yeah. Retrospectives. We got to do freaking dark forces, baby. That's number one for me. Let's go. Well, this yep. year, well, this that's an, that's an awesome game. I'm excited to get the remaster playing on my Xbox. Uh, I've been looking on Xbox.com, waiting to pre-order it. It hasn't popped up yet. I've been waiting waiting to hear back from Luna Runs Games, see if they're doing something. Haven't heard back from them yet, but I'm gonna get a day one no matter what. Do you think this year will top 2023 for you, uh, Colin? No. But I got Dark Forces. So it's I hear you. I hear you. <laughs> <laughs> hey, last year we got Goldeneye. We didn't talk about that Goldeneye re-release, but oh yeah, man, Goldeneye was awesome, dude. So many yeah, hours. Was, yeah, it was so much fun. <laughs> Wesley, what yeah, about you? Apple's menu music. Woo, woo. Wesley. Yeah. Um. It's it's interesting. I I mean I think we can all agree that 2023 was was huge, just a, like a colossal year. For me, I I only played. I only played two new games last year, Starfield and Jedi Survivor. Or those are the only two that I, that I finished and had a lot to say about. I think I'm actually 
I think there's actually more games in 2024 that I'm interested in. Nice. I'm not going to have the time to play all of them. I think it'll be uh, Final Fantasy VII Rebirth, um, Avowed, and Hellblade 2. Um, and man, there's just there's so many others. I wish I wish I could play Dragon's Dogma 2. Um, I would really need to play the first one first. But I don't think I'm going to have time for first that. Game's wild. Then, yeah, I, I know. I've heard so many good things about it. Um, and then I would jump into Dark Forces, but I am like, oh, I'm going to be so zeroed in on Final Fantasy VII. It's just not going to happen. But I, I'm really excited for, for that. I'm glad that you guys who are, who are like have a whole 24 real hours high beforehand, on... so. <laughs> yeah, yeah that'll, that'll be a good time. Um, so yeah, I mean, just, just from the, the game's perspective, for me personally, I think 2024 could be bigger. But I mean... 2023 was just a crazy year it'll 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 for sure be the bigger year um i think i think yeah and i mean i think the game i'm most excited about next year is is final fantasy 7 rebirth obviously that's just like on a totally new level um and a lot of 20 i say i say 2023 wasn't big for me but i think most of my game time this year is going to be those games from 2023 that I couldn't play then bleeding into this year, like Final Fantasy 16 and Baldur's Gate 3. So, oh, yeah, yeah I, I think for me, um, I think 23, uh, 2023, I think is the best year in video games. Uh, it may not be my favorite year, but I always stand by. I think it is the best year we've ever had. So I don't think 2024 will pose any challenge to it. Um, the game I'm most looking forward to is Final Fantasy 7 Rebirth. But I am really uh, excited for that Indiana Jones game, so I hope it comes out this year. Mm-hmm. I love, I love machine games. I love Wolfenstein, um, so I think that'll be great. I've just just recently become a fan of the Indiana Jones film, so that'll be really cool. But yeah, guys, this has been a, a freaking awesome episode. I'm, I'm surprised we're all able to get together at the same time and not have any lost connections. Get to talk about Sacred Icons top five. Uh, I love you guys. Yeah, we love you guys. Um, love you all. Thank you all for listening. Um, and as as I get done doing my little spiel and saying keep it sacred, can you guys all like just wave and say goodbye like it's the end of like a like a, a kids a kids series or something? I think that'd be great once we get done. So, uh, guys, thank you for listening uh, to another episode of the Sacred Icon Podcast. Make sure you let us know uh, in the comments or Discord email whatever what your uh, game of the year was, top five games. We'd love to hear it. Where were we wrong? Where were we right? Um, thank you. And as always. Keep it sacred. Leia. Goodbye, Goodbye now. Bye. See us next time. Rainbows. See you later. Unicorns. I haven't stopped playing Power World at all. Love you guys. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Oh, oh, oh.